It, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Worldwide Sports Radio presents the, 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 the Haystack Show with Mike Guido. Mike Guido, and it is so good to have you here on the Haystack and the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, WorldWideSportsRadio.com, Facebook Live, Twitter, Periscope, Spotify. We're everywhere. You're in the right place. Number to call, 631-676-2968. That is 631-676-2968. Call us up, join the conversation. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer, our Big J journalist, Matt Catarizzolo, Vinny Mutone sitting over there, and a special guest on today's show, a guy that I've had the pleasure of working with for the past probably, it's been probably about two years now, right? Mm-hmm. Ray, Ray Anzello, it's the uh, president of Gotham Hoops. We've had him uh, on the show plenty of times. He's called me crazy plenty of times. Um, Ray's joining us. Ray, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing well. Happy to be here. Uh, we are glad to have you here. We've got plenty to talk about. So coming up in hour number two, uh, the second hour coming up at, like, coming up at about one o'clock, uh, Ray and I are going to do our lottery mock drafts because you actually went to the Combine in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You were able to see a lot of these things firsthand. Uh, I, I'm, you've gotten a chance to you know see and maybe even speak to some of these players. Um, so you actually know where some of these guys... And like a lot of the early... Um, like a lot of the early guys, a guy, the guys that are going to go in the top five, top ten, usually don't even go to the combine because it's not worth it. They don't want it to count against them. But a lot of these later guys, right, guys that are trying to earn first-round grades, guys that are trying to, you know, even just earn draftable grades, you know, they're, they're trying to impress themselves, um, you were able to see that. So we're definitely going to get uh, your thoughts on that as well. Um, but here's really the, the thing here. Um, so the NBA Finals... Toronto goes for the first time in their franchise history, uh, and I was talking a lot about it yesterday. Um, I actually led the show off with it yesterday, how being aggressive in sports, right? What uh, Masai Ujiri did with Kawhi Leonard, uh, sometimes that stuff just works. You know, I when and I, I, I don't even know if we've talked about it, but I know when a lot of people... When they traded DeMar DeRozan and they traded Jakob Pertl and they traded a bunch of these draft picks to get Kawhi Leonard. They, Danny Green went along with them. But to get Kawhi Leonard, who played nine games a season before, may or may not have been hurt, in those nine games didn't necessarily play that well. He only averaged 16 points in those in those nine games. Oh, and by the way, he was going to leave you. <laughs> he might have left you after one season. We were all thinking, okay, Masai Ujiri, what the hell are you doing? But it worked out. They're going to the finals. Now, obviously it's panning out. Do you think that Kawhi Leonard is going back? No. my Really? My thoughts coming into the year were all they have to do is make the NBA finals. And I, I know that's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> but I only, I only say it as, as, as relaxed as I do because they accomplished that goal. Right. And and also before we go any further, let's not forget that Masai let go of the coach of the year. Yeah, <laughs> fired Dwayne, Dwayne Casey. Casey. Right. 
So on top of trading your one of your two all-stars into Rosen, as you mentioned, and uh, taking a risk, but but he swung for the fences, and we'd like to think that it paid off. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure that this was one of their goals going into the year. Kawhi, a champion and uh, Finals MVP, I'm sure has bigger and better aspirations. But at the end of the day, I think all signs are pointing for him to go to LA and play with the Clippers. God, I. I... Now, do you think if he goes to the Clippers, his situation in Los Angeles would be better than it currently is in Toronto? Kawhi on the Clippers versus Kawhi and the Raptors, the Clippers are winning that series. But luckily for the Raptors, they don't have to face the gauntlet of the West. So where I'm trying to get at is, yes, I think a Kawhi-led Clippers team is better than a Kawhi-led Raptors team, but they also have a, a much a much more difficult challenge going through the Western Conference playoffs and mm-hmm. then the Raptors doing the East. But at the end of the day, I don't know if if that's a big enough sell. Like, come here or stay here, rather. You'll never have to pay for a meal or a drink for the rest of your life. But you're also in, in Toronto, Canada, and your family is in L.A. And uh, just learning what I've learned about Kawhi the past couple of years, that family is very big to him. Unfortunately, he lost his father when he was younger. He stayed at San Diego State, or rather, attended San Diego State so he could stay close to home. And uh, now, for the first time in his career, the power is in his hands where he can continue, if not end his basketball career, and why not do it in, in your hometown? Now, all right, so then let me ask you this, because before the Eastern Conference Finals started, I pinned the responsibility on not just the organization, but the city and the fan base of Toronto on kind of like, all right, if he's planning on leaving you, make him miss you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Make it really difficult for him to leave. You know, create a really fun winning environment. The team has to win. Do whatever it possibly takes to try to get him to stay. Do you think that they've done all that they could? Absolutely. If you watch any if you watch any Toronto Raptors game specifically in the playoffs, it doesn't have to be. But the fact that they've made Jurassic Park what it is, it, it stems from the fans and how loyal and passionate and dedicated they are to this to this organization. And Drake's antics are are, are a conversation <laughs> for, for another day, even though I see the positive in it. I think Put your hands on a coach, even though it's the team that that you represent, maybe crossing the line. And and of course, I'm not there live, so I don't see it in its entirety. But I, but I see the the joy and the and the passion that he has for um for the team and the sport. But they've done everything they can. I just think that that there are things out of their control, like where Kawhi Leonard grew up and where his family resides. And at the end of the day, it's it's the Los Angeles Clippers. They're they're a, a rising organization in this league, led by Steve Ballmer. They they have one of the the best front offices as well as a coaching staff in the NBA. And you, it's clear that they have the pieces. The Clippers took a game. The Clippers took took the Warriors further than the Portland Trailblazers. If we would have said that, and I know that that may be an exaggeration, but if we would have said that uh, to start this to start the playoffs anyone would have thought that that scenario would have been crazy. Right. But at the end of the day, I just think as as much as Toronto and the Raptors organization has done to show Kawhi um, uh, why he should stay, there's just too many things that they can't control. And it's funny, I don't know if, I don't know if you guys saw at the end of the Eastern Conference Finals, the, the trophy presentation, 
the chairman, I, I, I can't recall his name, but the, the head honcho for the, for the Raptors went over and, and handed Kawhi or was offering Kawhi the trophy. Mm-hmm. And, and it would be hard to explain. But he basically like shrugged it off like, no, I'm okay. And, and he didn't accept the trophy. And, and I'm just looking at that. That's just whether that's Kawhi, whether that's his personality or it's the, his reflection on the organization. Of course, I think Lowry or Danny Green Threw it, threw it on him. So he, of course, he had to grab it and and, and put it above his head. But even Masai made a declaration: "This is the best player in the league." So yes, they're they're doing everything they can to keep him. But at the end of the day, I don't I don't think it'll be enough, no matter what happens. Now it's funny you bring that up because you brought up uh, how the Clippers took the series further against Golden State than the Portland Trailblazers did, and I I I I had gotten the Western Conference. You know, basically a hundred percent right at that point. I had Golden State and I had Portland in the in the conference finals, um, but I thought it was funny because when the Clippers played Golden State, Golden State had Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. When Portland played Golden State, they didn't have Kevin Durant. Plain, flat out question, and I'm assuming I know what your answer is already. Are the Warriors just flat out better without Kevin Durant? How can you say that one that one is better when I think they're both perfect? I think they're both two, I think they're both two unbeatable teams. So if you want I mean, if I'm an opposing coach or an opposing team, which would I rather face? Yeah, how the <laughs> It's like it's, it's a to tough play. question, right? I mean like Yeah, no, no I'll I'll, I'll, I'll answer it this way. I'd rather play a team that, that doesn't have Kevin Durant on it, but at the same time I know that that just instantly raises the level of play in Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and a plethora of other players. So it's like the, the better of two evils. I I don't I don't know that they're I don't think they're better. I just think that they're equally as good. You think it weighs on K D that oh, they're absolutely. winning without him? Absolutely. Absolutely. You think that's his ticket out of there, or do you think he sticks? In in what if they in what way? Do you think that the the notion that Golden State does not need him to win? Do you think that is going to be his ticket out of Golden State? Uh, it's even if they go on to win this series, it's hard to say that Golden State Warriors didn't need him to uh, to win. So what he would have missed. It's up to five now, so potentially nine to a dozen games out of 82. So almost like 100 games, he would have missed nine. So what, what, where I'm getting at is it's one thing to say that if the Warriors would have started the season without Kevin Durant, who knows if they would be in this position. So I just don't want to take – just because he hasn't been on the court the past four or five, ga- or five games or five and a half games, whatever it is um, – that that he didn't help them get to this point, and and that they're not who they are with the help of him. Um, I think no matter what he's gone, I would love to see him stay, but I I know I have a good idea as we all do, just not his team, and I think that means a lot to superstars mm-hmm. nowadays. Uh, he will forever, not necessarily be the Robin, but it'll, it's it will forever just be Steph Curry's. But you could say the same for for Dwayne Wade and LeBron. I know right. that didn't that didn't end well, but if LeBron just continued even with or without Bosh, but if LeBron just stayed in Miami with Wade and con- they continuously added pieces around them, that forever would have been Wade's team. Uh, and I think I, I don't think that's where KD wants to be remembered. He wants to put his stamp on an, on an organization and forever be tied to it, hopefully for the better. So I think he's gone no matter what, but I'd love like, – what, what if what if KD signed another three-year 
deal with a fourth year as a player option, and they won two in a row, or three, or two out of the next three, and he ended up with five or six before he, or five or so before he left Golden State to go somewhere else. We, we would think of him very, very differently. Yeah. No, I, and I think most people, I think, are, um, I'll even say this, I think maybe even up until now, people are kind of forgetting, like they're kind of forgetting about the fact of him leaving Oklahoma City, going to Golden State, you know, joining the 73-9 and nine Warriors. And, you know, I feel like people have almost gotten over that already. But, um, you know, it's – it's that situation is very interesting, right? Because it, it's it's kind of like most people are just penciling him, uh, penciling him in in New York, mm-hmm. right? Rick Buecher said yesterday of Bleacher Report that he's already bought a pl- – his, his place in – the Bay Area is for sale, and he just purchased a place in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously that's stirring up some question as well. Kyrie Irving also just bought a place in South Orange. So he's from South. Or he's, I, I guess he may. He's it, from it, this he, area. He's he, he grew up in New Jersey. So South Orange. Yeah. yeah. So I guess I guess that's just a case of him moving on up. I'm sure. I'm sure he has. All, the, I'm sure he has the, the nicest house on the block now. Yeah, I'm certain. But uh, it's funny that we that we talk about. Um, that we talk about, you know, how KD feels in this whole, you know, Golden State thing. He's even admitted himself. He's like, look, I never felt like I was, you know, it, it, it was always like, all right, it was the Warriors and KD. It's mm-hmm. not just the Warriors, right? Mm-hmm. It's like he's always felt that separation. Um, like so, like he's the big-time solo artist that just happened to join a, a band and go on right. with them. That's right. Exactly. And, so, and they and they won a few uh, they won, awards along right, the way. Right, right. They got a couple of platinum albums now <laughs> with them. But but it, it's it's interesting because of that fact, and a lot of people have him leaving, They we are penciling him in on the New York Knicks mm-hmm. roster next year, virtually, right? Is there any chance in your mind that he doesn't go to New York? Of course. Or And let me follow this question up with this. If KD goes to New York, is he going there by himself? If he goes to the New York Knicks? Yes. Or do you think he's able to pull somebody else with him? There, No, somebody's going. Now, that's, that's loosely defined. Uh, whether that's Kyrie, uh, Kawhi, Kemba, Tobias. Like, there's a lot of... Jimmy Butler, there's a lot of guys that could join him there. Right. Um, I know that we tend to break it down in, with the upper echelon and tier two, et cetera. But somebody's going, absolutely. Uh, who it is depends on what happens in the draft. Um, a, there's a lot of weight in that number three pick, and we'll see, right. we'll see what value they get out of it, whether they use the selection or, or they try and move it for a player that they can't sign right now. So Kevin, it, it won't be Kevin Durant and this current roster. If they're going to... They have they they moved they moved Porzingis maybe for for more reasons than than we know, but one of which is so they can create enough cap space to sign guys to two max level contracts. To the best of my knowledge, so there's no reason for them. They don't have any reason just to bring KD and leave mm-hmm. them leave them with all these young youngsters. Right. They're gonna bring they're gonna bring someone else. Who that second piece is to be determined. I have ideas on who it may be or who it should be, but. Mm-hmm. Only time will tell. Now, am I right for saying that, let's say, regardless of what happens, whether KD goes or whether he doesn't go, the Knicks have those two max contract slots. They are using them this year. They are going, like, even 
If it's on Kemba Walker and Chris Middleton, they are using those max contract slots. They're not going to save them for another year or so. They will spend those two max contracts. Am I crazy for saying that? No, you're not crazy. Uh, you'll be you you'll be crazy if you have to repeat that because in the NBA you don't do that. You don't you don't leave a max slot open and take it into the following season. If right. anything, you're going to fill it up with a bunch of role players. But at the end of the day, those would all have to be on one year deals, a la what the Lakers did this year. So no, they're bringing two guys in. You bring Kemba Walker and Chris Middleton. Uh, maybe it's not. Uh, a home run, but but you're setting yourself up for a pretty darn good future uh, with adding two all stars in an, in one off season. And then not only that, right. we gotta take we have, we have to understand that the Charlotte Hornets for better they are Kemba Walker. Like, what they do this off or what Kemba decides to do rather this off season predicts the next decade for Michael Jordan and the Hornets. Mm-hmm. You take Chris Milton off the off the Milwaukee Bucks. It's not as detrimental, obviously, because Giannis Antetokounmpo still still resides in, in Milwaukee. But they take a hit. They take a serious hit. So mm-hmm. you're knocking off a borderline playoff team in Charlotte who missed the game by a game and a half. or uh, It was something like what happened in Denver last year right. where, where it came down to the final final night. And then you have Milwaukee who obviously ran, I don't want to say ran away with the East, but was the top team in the league. Uh, so that's just a way to help climb the ladders, almost bringing people down by taking away their top yeah. talent, which is why a guy like uh, Kavon Looney, I mean, he'll be a steal because if you if you watch them pay attention to how valuable he is for them, you're a good you're, rebounder. He, he does a lot, in, including that. He does a lot for them. Right. And you're, you're taking a, a chink in their armor. And uh, obviously KD's value is far superior than a guy like Kavon Looney, but all I'm saying is that it, it, it helps when you can take some of the – the better pieces, or or even the the less um, notable pieces, away from from playoff teams. Right. If you're the Knicks, if you're the Knicks, are you comfortable with going with Kyrie Irving as your second star, along with Kevin Durant, or do you are you or do you want to go with someone you can rely on, like Kemba Walker, and you know that you're not going to get problems in the locker room stuff like that? Yeah. Are you comfortable with Kyrie Irving? If you're the Knicks, it's actually a good question because Kyrie, question. Kyrie, I. I love Kyrie Irving, but my issue with Kyrie Irving is that he never knows what he wants. So there's, there's something to be said about the key, differ, the key difference with Kyrie and Kemba on the surface is Kyrie is a championship point guard. Of course. Yeah. And as is KD. So where I'm getting at this is there's something to be said about guys that are hungry for that first verse clawing for that second or third or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And similar to, to when LeBron returned to Cleveland, he he had that championship swagger and prowess that he brought to Cleveland and which Kyrie did didn't. So I think the fact that Kemba is still searching for that first would be a better fit for for K D. Okay. Now let me let me ask you because you brought up Kemba Walker, you brought up the Charlotte Hornets, and I think the Hornets are a fascinating story just because they are they are run by Michael Jordan mm-hmm. and and you know that's you know the Jordan brand and everything like that there I feel like a lot of times in you know kind of like in life you see people that are great in one thing they move on to something else and they just don't have success right I mean mm-hmm. it as far as where Kemba Walker's going is it a drive for Kemba Walker to get out of Charlotte? Because let's like the, here's from what I'm seeing, right? Michael Jordan, great player, bad owner. He's just not a great 
a guy to run a friend. He's just not very good uh, at it. Are you comparing that to their win total? Like, is that what you're correlating that to? I'm comparing that to how much success he's had in total there. It's, it's, it's hard to argue with. I mean, yes. So we're, we're seeing that. I mean, it doesn't maybe. draft very well. I mean, it's just he's. Yeah, but, you know but, what I mean. But, but he's not the only one. I, I think that's where I'm getting at. Is that is that we're just going to view him differently because he was he was a ball player, if not the greatest. But he was a ball player, and a yeah, lot yeah. of his executives, like Daryl Morey, he came, went to MIT and, right. and is an analytics guru and aficionado. So they they come from two two very different walks of life. Sure. And I know Morey isn't the owner, but it's just as far as like an overall decision maker for uh, for the organization. Right. But, right. 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 I, I don't. I, I don't. I don't put it. I, I don't put this on on Jordan. I. I, I really don't. I, I think that the fact that he has the opportunity to offer more, uh, Kemba more money than any other team. If he strikes out on this, then it's, then I think this this off is going to be a huge test to Jordan. I'll say that. I'll give him a clean slate up until now. I don't think any any other right. off season is more is more vital to the success of the Charlotte Hornets than than this one right now. All right. I want to go to the Houston Rockets. What do you make of what do you make of where they're at right now? Uh Adrian Wojnarowski just reported this morning that uh or just a few minutes ago that Daryl Morey uh has completely made the entire roster available and draft draft picks the roster Chris Paul Clint Capella James Harden's very limited but they're all very limited uh, as in no, no, as no, in no, he, no yeah. he ain't going anywhere <laughs> everybody but James but Harden's available. Is, is available via trade I kind of get the sense they obviously they've obviously had disappointments year after year losing to Golden State the, the Warriors have been their brick wall they can't mm-hmm. get by and that's the case with everybody would you like I kind of like to see the Rockets maybe make one big move in free agency and kind of make another crack at it but maybe do you do you think they should go that way? Do you agree that maybe it's time to just just rebuild and maybe just try to start anew? So I just want to get a better understanding of what's the what's the difference between moving a guy like Chris Paul and Clint Capella, maybe PJ Tucker, and a one big move. I, and why I'm saying that is I think they're one and the same. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think you can you can move those guys without making a without making it a big move because if you're not, that's not a big move. If you if you move PJ Tucker and and you're first. And, and you get back a, 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 a sixth man. I mean, that's, I don't think that's enough. So you have to – you have to. I, I'm with, I'm with more on this. He, mm-hmm. he, I feel like he's, he knows where he is, his timeline, the health of, of his superstars, and he saw this happen in, in, with the Los Angeles Clippers, and I think he's pulling – he's looking into – Blowing this up one year earlier than the, than Los Angeles did, and and it was detrimental for the Clippers, and and I I commend him for it because yeah. you, even if you strip Kevin Durant off the Warriors roster, not just not letting just not um, having him suit up, they're still the 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 team to beat. Right, and I don't know. I I, I think I think that this is too much to carry over from one year to the next, just running into because why would we assume that or why should we believe that? A Houston team is that stays the same will beat the this this Warriors team when, when they couldn't without Kevin Durant and they and they can't with him and probably won't be able to do it no matter what happens this offseason. So I I think they need to do something there. Okay. Now do you think that it, it brings up a good point with Houston because Houston now if Daryl Morey's is saying okay look everybody except for Harden is available right now okay it. Chris Paul is a little bit iffy. For the right move, I'd move Chris Paul. But virtually everybody else is available. We can blow up the entire roster, no problem. Since that report just came out, 
Isn't he kind of forced to do that now? No, not at all. I don't think so. Just from a locker room perspective. Like, everybody else in the locker room is expendable except for James. You know what I mean? Like, is that is that going to stir up some things I, I think, in Houston? No, because of the guys in that locker room. So the personalities and maturity of guys like Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, etc., guys that have been in that situation with the with the Lakers, where they were offered and and it was made pub they know publicly that that they were expendable. Chris Paul, I, I, if anything, this will this is an awakening uh, to to him. I mean, he, he may take this and run with it and and never look back. And I just think I could be wrong, but I just that's what 15, 16, right. 17 years in the game does to you. Like you, you don't get phased by your GM saying, "Hey, we're." Brian Cashman said this, and it may not be word for word, but as as the the GM, the president of ops, his his job is to replace guys. If they're not if they're not living up to their standards, right. it's his job to find somebody that will. Old Daryl Moore, old Daryl Morey, saying that he's doing his job and that he's just giving everyone a heads up that James Harden is the only guy that that will remain in the Houston Rocket uniform um, for the time being. Now it's it again the Rockets are interesting because you know the Rockets' game plan is to build a roster. That can beat Golden State. That's been their plan, right? Our goal is to, and, and it's been publicly stated, right? Mm-hmm. He's made it known. All right, our goal is we need to get over the hump of Golden State. That's that's what we're trying to do. Now, could this whole thing about blowing up this roster actually be a little bit of a detriment because of if they build a roster to beat Golden State, could they? Let me. Just, could they be holding themselves back if Golden State doesn't last much longer? You know, like if they're not building for themselves to win games, and they're just focusing on Golden State. When Golden State disappears, is that going to lead to a problem? Golden State will outlast Chris Paul. That's all it comes down to. Mm-hmm. Because James Harden and Clint Capella aren't doing anything against a Chris Paul list Rockets team right. up against. Uh, Early 30s, Curry, Thompson, Green, etc. But yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. at the end of the day, Clay Thompson needs to re-sign with, with the the Warriors this offseason, and Draymond Green will be, I believe, an unrestricted free agent the year after or um, after this season. So, or after the the season coming up, rather. Right. Um, so, I think I just I'm just now my mind is racing as to who. Who calls Daryl Morey about guys like Capella who just signed a new contract or Chris Paul? It's just funny because whenever trade talks and whether it's because it's in L.A. or not, but they automatically go to to that young trio and in, in, uh, out west and Ball, Kuzma, and Ingram. Ball, I just, Kuzma, I, Ingram, I just think I just think that those three are just tangled together, and just whatever trade, whatever big name guy is available, that's who we know the Lakers are willing to to give up and. Do you take those three? I know they're, uh, they've been heard with the exception of Kuzma for the most part, but at their best in their development right now, do you take those three for whether it's both Chris Paul and Capella or just Chris Paul? That's a lot to give up for just for for Chris Paul. But what Paul, do you think? What do you think happens to Mike D'Antoni? He's got Warchowski reports that the contract talks for him has been stalled. He's got one more year left. Do you think he plays out the year? Or do you think maybe it's just smart for the Rockets to just say let's just look for something? If if they are going to do this rebuild. 
let's just fire Dan. I can't imagine why they would. I mean, D'Antoni works there. Yeah, but they had, but it similar to Phoenix, and I'll say the Knicks, but but on a, on a smaller scale, uh, it all sounds good until until you keep losing in the playoffs. Mm. So um, I say write it out, and the only reason I say right. that is because you're you're taking three steps back, firing your head coach right now and having to go through that process. Even if you have an idea as who it may be, I mean, shoot, mm. or unless you let him go and go hire Ty Lue. Um, <laughs> he's in there. He's sitting there. <laughs> I, but but I, I just don't think you do that right now. So uh, what they lost weeks ago, maybe it was then. Yeah. So I don't know. You have one year left. I don't. I don't think Dan Tony is the maker to break it. I think it's the guys. He's going to have his system. A lot of a lot of teams nowadays want to speed the ball up. It's not. I think Houston is doing it at a rapid rate as far as getting these threes up, whether it's in transition or or any other time. But. Everyone else is following in line, so I don't think I don't think moving or letting Dan, Dan Tony go and looking for a new coach is uh, is their best option right but now. But you wouldn't give him the extension too, either way. Correct. You Correct. Wouldn't give, okay. Yeah. And, and but he would have to know. And now I'm putting my my GM cap on. He would have to know what he's getting himself into as far as expectations, and it can't be. I don't think it, I don't think it should be or could be win the championship and you get an extension. I just I don't know if that's realistic because. If you if you're even thinking about stripping down or readjusting your roster, how could the coach expect brand new guys to get to equally as far or game? They were one game away. I love how we were so quick to forget that we were one game away from a Houston Rockets, Boston Celtics NBA Finals a year ago. We were, yeah, we were. I, I mean, it was crazy. It, it would have been such a treat just to see two different teams, especially knock off the the perennial champs. But I'm, I'm glad we have Toronto. I don't think it'll. That will last much much past th- this year, but mm-hmm. um, no, you you let D'Antoni know what the situation is, and uh, we we have to get through those those guys in in uh, in Golden State now, and um, and 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 talk to them about a deal after that. Real quick before we go to break, ball for Beal. Who says no? The Washington Wizards say no. Why? It's mm. just not enough. It's not enough. No. Huh. Ball and a first-round pick for Beal. No. Uh, well, is it this fourth pick? Yeah. No. Wow. Really? No. It, it's it's too it's too sweet for LA, and you're not you're not. And but at the end of the day, I know you said we have to go to break, but you're thinking about who you can pair up with John Wall because you have him. Unless unless someone takes on that roster, I mean that salary of his, he's on your roster. Mm-hmm. So I'm not I'm not trading a a perf a damn near perfect compliment. To John Wall for a guy that can't stay on the court, and I don't think it would be a, a solid fit. And then I, I just don't see the value for the Wizards um, in that fourth pick. So I'd rather get a All guy right. that's proven. So no. All right. All right. Uh, coming up next, we'll get Ray's thoughts on uh, the stuff surrounding the NBA draft. Plus, apparently he's pro Daniel Jones. So we'll have to talk about that as well. Plus, we got the new segment coming up in a little bit. That's coming up. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It, it, it's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. Radio Network. You're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And we're back. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer. Our big J journalists, Matt Catarizzolo, Vinny Mutone, our handsome men over there. 
Um, Stop it. <laughs> and he looks, Vinny looks right at me. He's just like, hey. Yeah, so, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Ray Anzello is the president of Gotham Hoops sitting right next to me. He's joining us today. Um, so let's talk a little bit of NBA draft. So um, before we do anything, right, it just – you you were at the combine in mm-hmm. Chicago. You saw a lot of these guys. I'm sure you spoke to some of these guys. Mm-hmm. A lot of these players, like I said, these are not the players that are going to go in the top ten. These are the players that are trying to earn first round grades, trying to earn draftable grades. Mm-hmm. These are guys that are trying to find niches in the sport. Um, who did you come away with in, in your mind? Not even just like the big winner, like the big consensus winner. Who did you love? Coming out of the combine, it's it's uh, going to be the kid from from Croatia, so Luka Samanic. Yeah. So about six nine in the quarter, uh, and I knew of him vaguely heading into the year, uh, heading into the, the this draft class rather. Um, like I said, he's from Croatia, so he sticks around in Europe. I didn't, I haven't been able to see him live up until seeing him in Chicago, and he just fits the mold of a of a versatile uh, perimeter oriented big man um, from from Europe and learning a little bit more about him and he's developed into the player that people thought he could be mm-hmm. and even though I wasn't there from the beginning it's just it's great to know that he's continually developed his game and um, where even though I've seen him before he'll touch the NBA I have my own thoughts as to how how good this kid can, can be so that was someone that I knew not only pressed me but the fact that he was he only competed on day one of the combine and played, but I thought, as well as anybody, that he was "quote unquote" shut down. Whether it came from NBA teams or, or his agent um, agency decided to, to do that, uh, he was he was certainly someone that that impressed uh, everybody in the gym. You got a pro comp for him? I'm putting you on the spot. Well, who does he who does he kind of remind you of? Because he's he's an overseas guy that none of us really get to see. Mm-hmm. From what you saw, who does he kind of remind you of? You know, kind of to give the listeners an idea of what this kid's going to well, be. Well, like. it, it's tough because of of his background. That also means that not many domestic U.S. born players play like him. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll say I'll say this, and then I'll I'll have to back it up immediately by with a measurable. So Chris Alves Porzingis, who we're all familiar mm-hmm. with, yeah, with, yeah, yeah, but certainly. Not the, not the upside that, that be, Porzingis is. Beca- because of his height. And, right. and again, that's nothing uh, – when you have someone that's over seven foot versus someone that's just over six, nine and a half or, or, or so, there's, there's going to be limitations. Or, or, uh, but just as far as style of play, the ability to um, be physical around, around the post, um, both on both ends of the floor, but also step out and hit that occasional um, three with a good-looking jumper, mm-hmm. that's, that's who he reminds me of. Let's see if they're able to get. What do you see him? Late first round, kind of in the twenties ish. No, uh, teens. He'll maybe in the teens. I, yeah, really? I I don't know if he'll sneak into a lottery. I don't know who he's working out with leading up to the draft. But I don't see him getting past. I wish I had the order in front of me, but I don't see him getting past like the twenties. So whether it's that fifteen to twenty mark, where it's just that that next bunch out of the lottery, I don't think he'll he'll go out of there. And and again, I would. Depending on on who the t- which teams are picking in in those couple spots and given their their experience or draft history with European mm-hmm. players, sure, maybe it'll maybe it'll be fifteen or maybe it'll be twenty or twenty one, but somewhere around there. And shoot, he he may very well sneak into the lottery. Now, who's a guy that you think is going to end up 
dropping. You know, like it, like who was a definite player that might have been a first round pick that might have dropped second round, maybe even undrafted. Did anybody really fall no. that far? Well, like who had a piss poor performance? Anyone that withdrew from the draft comp? I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that from the draft. How's that? <laughs> okay. Oh, no, goodness. I'm not. I'm. I, I appreciate the question. Uh, I think I'll, I'll scale it back just a little bit as far as the severity of it, and this is my own personal spin on it. But a guy like Brandon Clark, I don't think stood out the way that some may have expected him to. Oh, really? So, but but for a guy like Brandon Clark, that could be where you're in contention from 11 or 10 to 14, maybe you're going to 16 or 18. So it's not a significant right. drop-off, but just to me personally, I that's someone that, that I don't feel is worthy of a lottery pick, and he very well may go in the lottery, mm-hmm. but I just don't I don't see it. And and I think if, if, the, if he's able to go into lottery, it'll be late, and there may be a team that has enough talent that his lack of – a versatile skill set and just his sheer athleticism will be enough to to be a valuable addition to to the organization. Right. All right. Now, real quick. So you're a giant guy, mm-hmm. right? Daniel Jones. Yep. He's your new franchise quarterback. Looks that way. He'll probably sit for the first portion of his career behind Eli Manning. Yeah. Well, I hope the the first portion the first is, portion is I mean, like that three be, games. It, it could be, or, or it could be a season. Who knows? I, but, I but think yeah, I I, I, I do believe start, the Giants are going to see him this year. I, well I do believe be. that he, he won't, barring an, an an injury to to Eli, mm-hmm. he won't start week one. And, right. And I think that's a given. And it, it's I don't think it'll be a week a week to week case of of when he's he he dons that uniform on the field. But I mean, it could be we don't know. Only time will tell. But you like it. I do, and one, because – so th- there's obviously a lot – that wasn't the only thing that happened with the Giants, and we don't have to get into it too much. And if we, even if we just date it back to this time last year, drafting Saquon over another guy, whether it be a different quarterback, was a, was a, a huge decision. And then you go through this season and you move Odell and you change uh, – and you, and, and you lose Vernon as well as Collins, one of which you trade, the other of which you, you, you just let walk. Mm. So, so there's going to be massive changes. I don't think that this is the biggest move, but the reason I don't mind it as much as other people is because let's look at what the Chicago Bears did a couple of years ago. You want to talk about comps? Let's look at what the Bears did a couple of years ago, jumping a couple of spots in the first round uh, to, at number two to get Mitchell Trubisky. Right. You can talk about quarterback comparisons all you want. What, what stands out to me is the level of competition. There's Just as there is, and it's not as – as transparent in basketball as it is in football, whereas you have a guy like Dwayne Haskins, who I was enamored with, just big body, big arm, 50 touchdowns, it looks good. I thought he would be great playing in Jersey, but, or I guess New York, but just to be technical Jersey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I don't mind Daniel Jones. One, because I'm a fan, so I got to stay as positive as I can. And two, um, I, just think, I just think that he has – He'll develop a strong arm. He's mobile, which is something that we haven't had in the Giants under center for, for a number of mm-hmm. years. And he has a rela- an existing relationship with Eli, and I think that will bold well. And, again, I'm, I'm, I'm very much into looking back in the past and, and connecting the dots. So I made the comparison with Daniel Jones and Trubisky. Trubisky, of course, a North Carolina quarterback who's proved yep. similar skill set. Not a huge arm. He's developed it, but, yep. but, but he, he can move. <clears throat> 
and and he comes from the ACC and Duke of uh, Daniels Daniel Jones rather of course comes from Duke and and the Giants took him rather high, um, but. I think having Saquon in the backfield is going to help a ton with the adjustment. Yep. There's something to be said about having your star re- your star receiver as your main offensive weapon versus a running back. So they don't, they won't have to rely on Jones and finding receivers as much because you have a guy that's going to hopefully be wearing um, a golden jacket when it's all said and done. So right, right, I just right. think that the Giants and they built up their offensive line, and will I just think that they're putting him in a good position. And why made the just taking going back a few years is Warner handed the baton off to Eli Manning. And now I think Eli, even though their careers went differently in the Giants uniform, but Warner's was just as accomplished as, as, as Eli's is. Um, Eli will be doing the same for Daniel Jones. And the fact that they have an existing relationship, I think will, will bode well. Well, quick on the Giants. What yep. was your, on Beckham, did the Beckham trade catch you off guard? And did you, th- or do you think it was the right move at the right time? Do you think Beckham ever truly fit in New York? It sucks. It freaking sucks. Because <laughs> um, cause, cause now, now, now my fandom starts. So okay. it, didn't catch me, it didn't catch me off guard too much just because we've all heard rumblings. And for better or worse, we just live in New York, so this happened every day. I think the fact that it was Cleveland kind of threw me off because, like, it wasn't the Jets, it wasn't the Patriots, but – it just that Cleveland is just like a booming franchise. It looks like, and you have John Dorsey um, leading leading that, and of course you have Baker, and then Jarvis Landry, who we know has a history. So like, I think that just it just it. it why I say that is because like it just made too much sense for Cleveland, and it didn't make sense for the Giants to begin with on the surface. But you're just handing him off to someone like it just looks so good for Cleveland, and I think that's that's what hurts even more. Um, right. And then. I, I think that there's something to be said about bringing a young, talented, unpolished, professional athlete to New York City that lets you see what they're about sooner than they would in any other place. And that goes the same for Christoph Porzingis. Mm-hmm. They're, they're at it. There's no doubt about it that this is the mecca and the spotlight is on them more than, than it is in arguably anywhere else in the world. So, um, and, of course, the expectations to, to, to perform – or just as high as anywhere else. But I think that it, it's, it'll be good for Kristaps to, to get out of town and it'll be equally as good for Odell and will be a little bit more drastic going from New York to, to Ohio. But I think we'll, we'll be fine without him. Uh, I think there was too much pressure on him to have the ball every, every possession. And that I think that weighed a lot on not only Eli, but the organization. And when you have, I mean, I think the world of Saquon Barkley and then some, both um, uh, both on and off the field. So I'm comfortable with the position we, we're at right now. It's a shame that the defense has, has, has depleted over the years. I know we, the former regime gave a lot of money to, to a lot of guys that just haven't panned out. $200 and, million to a lot of guys. David Harrison was, of course, a trade uh, midseason last year. $200 million. And, then, and, and, and Vernon was, was not what, what I at least thought that he would be. So I don't see that as, as a, too much of a piece, even though I'm sure his career is going to resurrect now in Cleveland just because why, why wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> He's got Miles Garrett to deal with on the other side. How too. do we not get Miles Garrett? Like, how do we – I, I think um, Jabril Pepper is going to be crazy. He's a local kid. He's Pepper's a freak, there, yeah. freak athlete. He's going to make plays. But how do we not get, like, a huge name? I, mean, I, I guess they don't have many, but how is Miles Garrett not in that package? I just – it's it's either we'll give you Odell, but we need Miles Garrett back, and then mm-hmm. you let John Dorsey hang up the phone and say no. <laughs> you you make the Cleveland right. Browns turn down Odell Beckham. So I get it. Get, the, get your best for their best. I get it. that's 
I, I understand that. I understand that. Even concept. more so than anyone else. I, I guess Baker would be cool, but there's no point of trading Baker if you're going to get Odell. Exactly. Um, so Miles Garrett, especially on the defensive end. And, and that's why Josh Allen would have been great. It would have been a great fit. But as uh, uh, end out of Kentucky in the draft, because he would have fell into our, our lap. And just like how it was so appropriate for the Giants, so it's so apropos for Tom Coughlin just to sweep him up. Mm-hmm. And and, um, and he'll be a great fit in, in Jacksonville. But right. Again, whether it's just me being overly positive as a, as a New York football <laughs> Giants fan, I just think that sooner than later, pieces are going to line up and, and we're going to be off and running. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm not mistaken, we'll send it over to the news, but it is also We Sports, Sports Wednesday. Wednesday. It is We Sports Wednesdays. We Sports Wednesdays. <laughs> We've been waiting very long for this thing. All right. Next Vinny time you next tone, to- Matt Catarazzola, our big J journalist. Oh, what yeah. do you got, boys? Um, all right, Adam Silver is looking to make some uh, changes to the league and the season. And from what I'm reading, it is very interesting. So he's looking at a All-Star Week type round robin, which would uh, shorten the season to closer to 60 games. Um, wow. Or, yeah. Wow. That's by a lot. That's a lot. Uh, or um, a at the end of the season, Team 7 through 10 fight for a playoff spot in a playoff type, uh, in a um, playoff round type of um, battle, huh. battle, if you will, almost like wild card weekend for basketball. Wow, that's. Yeah. Can I say this? I actually like the idea of Adam Silver trying to make changes to the format because the playoff ratings are awful. Yeah, they're all and. It has nothing to do with how good the basketball is, but we've gotten great basketball this this postseason. There's no urgency to watch the games anymore, right? We've got one team dominating the entire league. Nobody's going to watch the movie if they know how it ends already. So it's just I like the effort of trying to fix these. The ratings are down 26% on the playoffs. The Eastern Conference Finals were down 48% from last year. 48 I, I like yeah, this. Yeah, he it's said, like a mid-season tournament, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it would be it would be um, called something along the lines of like the All Star All Star Weekend Tournament, like something like that. Wow, um, that's such a cool idea. Yeah, he, he said uh, you know he's looking at it. Um, Silver's looking at it more from like a fan perspective. Like he, he wants to benefit the fans, like you said. The the ratings has been abysmal. And you know what? I'll I'll compare it to this because. Um, you know, it's kind of like it's kind of like those singing competition shows, mm-hmm. right? Like American Idol dominated talent shows for for forever, right? America's Got Talent came along. They started, you know, it it, it was kind of followed the same formula, but it was more than just singing, right? So if we talk about shows like American Idol, American Idol was okay. Uh, we'll have everybody go to Hollywood. We'll we'll we'll. We'll break it down from there. We'll make the cuts. We'll narrow it down to 12. And then those 12 will just go week by week by week by week by week until four months later we have a we have a winner, right? American Idol has disappeared virtually because of why? Because of the voice. The voice created something that was... It's a singing competition, but they threw all these nooks yeah, and crannies into right. these shows, it right? It's just something they've new. Got, they've got, you know, like... Um, like... like uh, like voice battles, and they've got um, like different teams, and the ta- the the chairs turning, and it, like they just totally changed the whole landscape. That 
I'm so in on this. Yeah. If, if the NBA decided to do this. Yeah. Uh, they're trying to get. I'm so in on. Yeah. This. It's all um, not even speculation, more experimentation at this point. Um, yeah. So, I mean, if I was the NBA, I would maybe try something out. Well, I mean, I was gonna say maybe try it out in the preseason, but you can't really do that if it's a, yeah, right. if, it's a, if it's a midseason <laughs> tournament. But what do you think, right? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So the but it I'm is not, broken. How? But, but in, compar- in comparison to what? Like wh- seasons what's it, previous. Wh- what's it? But you're comparing it to itself. Where where your your analogy was American Idol versus The Voice. It's the NBA what versus themselves. And I, I'm just curious what other leagues are already doing this and and just figuring out how it worked. But the that midseason during the all or that midseason tournament during the All Star break is that does that have repercussions for playoffs or is that end of season tournament where it'd be seven through ten that would be the the wild card equivalent like what's the what's the mid-season tournament um so the mid-season tournament is basically um more of an excuse to shorten the season okay um and the the seven through ten teams uh that's uh that's that's more of a way to generate viewership um and because it makes it more intense but at the end of the day that's only Three, four nights. Yeah. So out of the, out of months or two months it's, playoffs. Um, but here's a quote from Silver. Um, you said, I'm looking at things from a fan standpoint. I'm looking at how to create the most exciting season ex- and experience, especially in a rapidly changing media market where fans are, in essence, voting every day whether they want to watch your product. I don't know. I, I'm so in on this. Yeah. I wonder- I'm so in on this. Another thing is the 75th anniversary is 2022. Who, okay, I believe or 2021, mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of his marker for uh, getting everything. So this isn't going to happen on. for another few years. If, obviously, if anything does happen, it won't be until the 25th anniversary, and they'll use the 25th anniversary as a way to be like, all right, hey, this is right. some changes. This is all what's right. going on. Yeah, 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 yeah. To your American Idol, the Voice uh, comparison. I wonder if that actually, if the NBA does do that, I wonder if it actually pressures Major League Baseball to cut 162 games because they've been under pressure to cut their season. Yeah. Maybe they do I don't, as a I don't think baseball has the same problem. Well, yeah. baseball's also trying to catch up to the NBA. They're, they're no, they're not. The same problem That's, in what that's way. not true. You don't that, think so? No. Major League Baseball's not trying to catch up to the NBA. The NBA is a more popular sport, but Major League Baseball does make more money at the end yeah. of the year. Baseball baseball makes about two billion more dollars more than the NBA okay. by the end of the year. I don't think baseball has a problem. All right. I was you talking. Know, I was talking. N- that's what the I was NFL, talking about I think, makes about fifteen billion uh, in revenue at the end of the year on average. The NBA makes about eight billion. Major League Baseball makes about ten, eleven billion by okay. the end of the year. They're, baseball's not struggling. It is not struggling. Yeah, and how about in attendance? Attendance is fine. Uh, look. Uh, Attendance that depends is, on the city. Uh, right. It, the two teams with the worst attendance are both teams in Florida. Tampa Bay and Miami are not pulling fans because they're, people in Florida are not it's Florida not a, baseball fans. It's, it's, yeah. not a, it's not a league-wide epidemic? No, I don't think so. I, because baseball has taken a dip in attendance, but they're not losing money. Because I, I'm, baseball not, I'm, not sell, about money. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about fans in the seats. Well, fan, well, what I'm saying is fans in the seats are one way that they're generating it, revenue. It, it, but it's it's more so off the TV, of TV deals. Right, but they're, they're not losing much in TV. They're To be honest, I actually think they've gained a little bit in TV. They very could have. And I think they're selling more merchandise now. They're, they're actually selling more jerseys. They're selling more hats. They're selling more stuff like that. Uh, attendance is down, but they are... They're, 
whatever they're losing in, in ticket sales, they're gaining it, in other areas. Yeah. Once I started getting the emails from the Yankees for $5 tickets, yeah. I was like, it's yeah, maybe the attendance needs a little but help. See, and yeah. I, I, I think maybe I'm coming at it from a more personal realm, but it's just... It's just not a good look, and I'm telling you, any baseball game you turn on compared to two, three, four, five years ago, there's significantly less people yeah. on and, and especially, sitting in the stands. It just doesn't look good. Yeah, and it, especially now, it takes a couple months to fill up stadiums. I, you know what I mean? I, it's I, I, especially, I mean, it's not too early, but it does take. It I, does I take don't a think that's more. the case for any other league. Yeah. All right, but, Matt. What do you got? All right, so staying with the NBA here, we're one day away from the finals. Yet again, another Golden State appearance. Yay. I want to, so I want to, <laughs> I want to get your, uh, your picks for. I, I made a list of the top five or the five most important players in this series. Not the five best, you know, not the five most dominant, but the most, the five most important players. Now this list is, so out of five players, I have three Raptors and two two Warriors. So, and but this is in no particular order. So, Kawhi Leonard, Steph Curry, Kyle Lowry, I put Pascal Siakam, and then Draymond Green. So I have three Raptors and two Warriors. What would you change? What would you keep saying? Uh, I I almost have the same five. Um, I was actually going to make this a segment earlier before I wrote it off. Um, but my top five, I actually have four Raptors and one Golden State Warrior. Oh, wow. Uh, virtually all of this, all the same. Kawhi, Steph, Kyle Lowry, Pascal Siakam. Uh, but instead of Draymond Green at five, I have Danny Green at five. Okay. I think he's going to play an incredible role in this series if he shoots well because he's he's been awful so far right. in the postseason. He really has not played well at all. And if he's, he's actual if he's able to shoot, that's going to benefit Toronto a lot. He's the other uh, he's the only other player on Toronto along with Kawhi that has finals experience. You know, being with him back in San Antonio, right? But I want to, I want to, I want to touch on Steph Curry a little bit. So we know that Durant is out for at least one game. He's not going to fly to Toronto with the team uh, for Game One. Uh, but there's a lot of speculation that, and a lot of expectation that Curry is almost on track and pretty much guaranteed if the Warriors win this series to have his first Finals MVP. Do you think Steph Curry needs a Finals MVP to kind of cement this legacy that he's already uh, made? I think he probably needs this one. I, I'm not going to say that he needs one in particular. I think he needs I feel, this one. Yeah, I feel the same because way. Because if it's going to knock Steph Curry, because Steph Curry's legacy is going to be great no matter what. Absolutely, it, yeah. It'll heighten his legacy if he gets a Finals MVP. But I think it's more important for this because he'd get this Finals MVP without Kevin Durant. You know, because if it's if it's step if if he doesn't win Finals MVP and Kevin Durant doesn't play, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, whoever gets a Finals MVP over him, right? And it's not Kevin Durant. That I think is a little bit of a knock, but. The guy revolutionized the sport. I mean, yeah. like, you can't... Uh, his legacy is going to be great no matter what. So give or take on that. But yes, I think right. if he needs to win a finals MVP, it has to be this one. I agree. And I feel like most... Well, not even I feel... Uh, most greats who have been to the finals and have won have MVPs on their resume. You know, Magic, jo- Magic Johnson won in his rookie year. Jordan has six. Uh, LeBron. I mean, there's there's little to no... NBA legends that have been to the finals that have not won MVP, and right. especially it's it's pretty it's pretty alarming that Curry has been there this amount of times with being 
almost widely regarded as the best player on our team before, obviously, before Duran got yeah. there. And he still hasn't gotten it. You know, you had Iguodala in 15, and then 17 and 18 were uh, both Kevin Durant. So, you know, it's hard to... Uh, it, it's it's. I don't know. I want to. I'd, I'd love to get his take on it because I know he's not a very selfish, you know, personal accolades type of guy. He's a team player, which is why you know everyone's saying he's not the best player on his own team, but he is the most valuable. Which is why I, I would want to. I would want to think that he would want that he thinks this is important as well, like to him. Yeah. So I think that's. I think that's important to talk about. All right. Uh, that is the news. We sports Wednesday. Better than Christmas. I love it. Better than Christmas. I absolutely love it. We're gonna ne- <clears throat> every Wednesday for now. We gotta bring like Wii controllers. We gotta do, we're gonna yeah. do all that. I'm bring like a Wii game. Like I'll bring like Smash Brothers Brawl. <laughs> Evan will bring his Sonic the Hedgehog stuffed animal. Yes, Can I, I, will. Yes, uh, I will. Let me ask you real quick uh, before we break. Um, mm. It let's say hypothetically that this 75th anniversary thing goes down. You know, everyone's in 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 on it. Like, who's to say that these teams that are worth billions of dollars and these players that make millions of dollars are going to take these cuts? Because they're going to have to if the season gets shortened. They're going to lose money. Can maybe I, yeah. I just want to interject real quick. What do you think the all-star break is for all the guys that aren't in the all-star game? It's their vacation. Yeah. It's break. Right. So, yeah. so you're asking, and I, I don't know if that's exactly where you're getting mm-hmm. at, but that's just how I see yeah. it in my head. So that, I don't know. That's a good maybe. point. Yeah, no, it's point. It, it is something that you know the. I, I'm sure the league would have to fight with the players union yeah. to try to get that to pass. But because I'm thinking too right now, if you're a team like the Lakers and you got all that turmoil going on backstage, you know what I mean. And then if, oh, imagine the league just drops that on you, like all right, we're cutting the season Plus, down, want, sixty games. I wonder how that's going to contracts. Like I don't know. That's a lot. I wonder how that's going to fit in like, like when we compare greats, because like. All right, how many championships does this guy have? All right, well, how many mid-season tournaments does this guy right, have? Like, yeah. you know, like, it's just going to be another thing be, we have to consider. Yeah, like, and you're going to say, you know, 10 years from now, if the season does shorten, how are you going to you know, I don't points know. per season I, isn't really going to be I got to say, uh, like, I, there's a lot of stuff that's that's got to go right yeah. for that, but I'm I'm so in on it. Yeah. I'm so in on I'm, it. I'm down for the experimentation to maybe find something that works, even if it's not this. Yeah, agreed. All right, uh, coming up next, it is... Well, it's not really alliteration or anything like that, but it is Mock Draft Wednesday. Um, (laughs) So, Ray, myself, we will give our lottery mock draft, not the first round. Uh, We'll do do the first round once it gets closer to draft night, but just the lottery mock draft right now. First 14 teams. That's coming up next. Hour number two. Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network. It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Radio Network. You're, you're, you're listening to the Haystack Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. And welcome back, Haystack Worldwide Sports Radio Network, hour number two. I'm Mike Guido. He's Evan Mazza, my producer, our big J journalist, Matt Catarizzolo, Vinny Mutone sitting over there. Hey. Ray Anzelowitz, the president of Gotham Hoops, joins us today. Yes, it's good sir. to have you here, Ray. I always enjoy being here. It's a good you? time. Yeah. You guys do a great job. Yeah. You really, I really felt the sincerity of that one. <laughs> no, I, 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 I've been here enough times where I just have to mean it. I don't need to like, oh my god, this is the like this is the I, greatest I network ever. Yeah, I'm, I, I mean, you can BS it now. You guys are yeah. all right, I guess. Like Dave Gettleman. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. I walked in on that conversation. I don't yeah. even know how that went. But uh, all right, so we talked about trading. We talked about not trading you. Sorry, we're gonna trade. Not trading. Me. <laughs> Sorry, just, we're gonna trade you. Just anyway. actually gonna trade you. 
But we're going to give you a lot of money first. You guys are going to trade me to talk chalk talk for Renee. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you it's a couple of first round draft picks. Trading me for Renee and a couple of first round draft picks. A third of Wait, Seth. Do you really think you're worth that much? Yeesh. Wow. Yeesh. Woo! I can hear a pin this guy, drop. Yeah, this guy heated it here. All right. Well, then let's. <laughs> well, all right. On hey, that we, note. If you don't think that I'm worth that much, all right. So uh, I'll see you guys later. <laughs> I was just saying two first. But speaking of first round picks. Anyway, right. so sports. So <laughs> anyway, back to Did sports. Did somebody say lottery? <laughs> uh, all right. So Ray and I came to an agreement last week that at some point this week we would do our first lottery mock drafts and then once it gets closer to draft night we'll do the entire first round uh so this is just the lottery ray and i don't know what we've put down or anything like that he only sees what i have on this laptop right here who i have going number one overall which i think is i think everybody knows who's going number one overall so it's john it's it's john moran come on it's shimori pons shimori pons i like shimori pons i like him too second rounder um all right so here we go Lottery mock draft. The New Orleans Pelicans are on the clock. Ray, who's at number one? No hesitation, Zion Williamson. You got you got the best player in uh, the past couple years down in New Orleans. You hope that you can keep Anthony Davis. If nothing else, you move him and you get valuable pieces to surround Drew Holiday and Zion, and you make him the face of the franchise, and you ride off into the sunset. Now, do you think he's special? You think this kid's a like a like a next level superstar type? He's player. He's special now, and he has as much potential as anyone that we've seen in the last decade or two. Wow. Yeah, Zion's going number one. Okay, uh, look, Zion. Uh, Zion, I think is the best. I think you're right. I think he's the best draft prospect that we've seen probably since LeBron. Um, and I'll even say this: he might even be as a draft prospect more coveted than LeBron. Um, he is uh, the only thing that you can kind of knock him for, okay? But it, it, he's just one of those players where his weaknesses don't necessarily matter that much. He can he can be a bit of a streaky shooter. He's not a bad shooter whatsoever. The guy shot thirty four percent from three at Duke. It, it's different. You'll you'll see how quickly it, it matters. Your your deficiencies will be on will be broadcasted live on nationally because the guys are bigger, they're faster, they're stronger than they are in college. A three point line is further back. I'm not saying that he won't translate, but he'll have mm-hmm. to he'll have to work on his game harder than than anyone else just to make sure that he reaches his full potential. You're right. And and the only thing uh the only other thing that I can see is that he isn't phenomenal at finishing with his right hand. He's primarily left you know he even if he goes right he usually finishes left um, but again, all of that stuff can get developed. Mm-hmm. Zion's special. This get, number one overall pick, without question, Zion Williamson of the New Orleans Pelicans. All right, the Memphis Grizzlies at number two, a team that you had in the playoffs. What do you think, Ray? Uh, John Morant out of Murray State, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's Damian Lillard 2.0, uh, just coming out of a small school, electric guard that can jump out of the gym. Uh, fortunate enough to see him during the NCAA tournament live uh, in Hartford. So saw his triple-double performance against Marquette and then saw Murray State fall to, to Florida State where where Ja and his supporting cast just didn't live up 
to the to their expectations. But he's a special. He's a special player. Um, he's got a world of potential. But at the end of the day, similar to how New Orleans may have uh, impact moves to make after their draft selection, just uh, uh, goes the same with with Memphis as they have to get rid of Mike Conley and start building around Ja, Ja Moran, and and um, and Jaron Jackson. So. I just think that's a clear-cut number two prospect right now. Uh, yeah, John Morant goes number two to the Grizzlies, and I think it's a good fit. Uh, and goodbye, Mike Conley. That's that's really what what's going to happen here. I actually think John Morant has more upside than what Mike Conley had. Uh, this kid is he's got a lot of Damian Lillard in him. He's got a lot of Russell Westbrook in him. Um, can do a lot of things right. He makes plays for other players while also being a very good efficient scorer. Mm-hmm. Um, John also he's a, I actually like his size at 6'3". He's not a small point guard. He's a little bit thin, mm-hmm. but you know, his body'll fill out. Uh, John Morant he'll fill out. Hopefully. I'm not hopefully. I hope so. I I I I think it will, but John Morant goes number 2 to the Memphis Grizzlies. All right. In a lot of people's eyes, this is kind of where the draft starts, mm-hmm. and maybe well, even the pick after this. Yeah. The New York Knicks, they're pissed about not getting Zion, but they have the number three overall pick. Ray, who do you got them taking at number three? You could say that the draft starts now just because this is the one pick that may be on the move. So I yeah, I, I agree with you that it, it really starts, starts here, but let's just say that the Knicks do make the selection for themselves. It, in my eyes, it's R.J. Barrett out of Duke. Coming into the season, he was odds on favorite to to be the number one selection i think he's just as talented as anybody else in this draft um uh he's also a lefty uh like zion but world of potential coming out of canada he's the next best thing bigger and better than than uh, andrew wiggins um who hasn't necessarily panned out for another lottery team but i think rj bringing him under the bright lights of new york city will be beneficial for him where in cases for other players, um, the the spotlight may have been a little bit too bright, but I think I think RJ will fit in well in the Mecca. Yeah, I agree. I think I think RJ's the pick here. And the funny thing about RJ, and I and I I think he's got a little bit of a Kevin Durant complex to him. Not based on I, I'm not comparing the two for, as far as skill sets concerned. What I mean is is that okay now that RJ Barrett is the one that's going to the Knicks. Zion and RJ Barrett are best friends. Okay, they're they're roommates in college. They they absolutely adore each other, but R.J. Barrett is has this complex to him where, okay, for the rest of history, he will always be, you know, and unless R.J. Barrett turns out to be the better player, he will always be second to Zion Williamson. They're going to be tied together in history forever, right? Just like Kevin Durant was to LeBron when Kevin Durant was always the second best player to LeBron. He was second in the finals to LeBron, second in the MVP voting three times, like, He's got a little bit of a Kevin Durant complex to him. R.J. Barrett, if he goes to the Knicks, is going to have a lot of pressure because he's got to be better than Zion, or at least close to as good as Zion for Knicks fans to be happy about it. So I I like R.J. Barrett a lot. I think he's going to be a great high-volume scorer in the NBA. Um, he's actually a relatively decent passer. He's not, a, uh, he's not where the ball stops. Uh, I think he's going to turn out to be a pretty decent defender. He's an okay one right now. Um, but the one thing that I'm scared about about R.J. Barrett is that he's going to be a volume shooter. Is he going to be an efficient volume shooter? He really wasn't a great, efficient player at Duke. He missed a lot of shots. Um, but again, it's just R.J. Barrett's another one of those guys where you just see him. 
and you just see the upside. This kid could be incredibly good. And you got to remember, I'm surprised you didn't bring this up. R.J. Barrett was the higher-ranked recruit out of high school than Zion Williamson. That only so, means so much. Nowadays, it only means so much. You're, you're right. You're right, but yes. But R.J. Barrett, it, I think people forget how good R.J. Mm-hmm. Barrett is. Well, I, I, This kid's really good. I started off by saying that he was probably the odds-on favorite to be the number one pick coming right. into the yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, equally. All right, so this is where I'm expecting to where we yep. kind of break off a little bit, right? The I top so. three. Like, I think it's pretty clear-cut who the top three players in the, uh, in the draft are. After Zion, John Morant, and and R.J. Barrett, the Lakers sit here at number four, okay? This pick could very easily be moved for anything. It it doesn't matter. Beal, Anthony Davis, whoever. It doesn't matter. If they keep it at number four, I know the guy that I want him to get. Who do you have your eyes on? Darius Garland out of Vanderbilt. Wow, really? So I think that this is – there's a lot of reasons behind this, but it's it's the point guard uh, of the future in a Lakers uniform. It's someone that will instantly defer to LeBron. It's yeah. not someone he has to worry about getting his own, even though he's capable of it. Uh, he's in that same mold as John Moran as a, as a 6'2 guard, so he's not necessarily one of these smaller guards nowadays or, or as small as like an Isaiah Thomas. But I think that he'll be a terrific fit because you need you need to, to fill or bring a piece to, to the Lakers that – like you mentioned, won't be a ball stopper, so he'll be he'll be a great teammate, and in my eyes, and I think that's that's someone that I see rocking uh, purple and gold. Uh, okay, so I, outside of the top three guys, right? The Lakers have their pick of whoever they want. I think there's a bunch of guys that can go here, um, and this is where our first yep. disagreement comes. Uh, the one thing that I noticed out of the Lakers last year, aside from all the crazy dysfunction that's still going on, um, the Lakers were as poor defensively as I've seen any team in NBA history. So right here, I think the I think DeAndre Hunter's the play. I, I really do. I think DeAndre Hunter's going to be a Kawhi Leonard level defender in the NBA. I think he's that versatile. I think he's that good. He's got great size, six seven, um, long wingspan. I think automatically in the NBA, he's a three and D guy. He's a pretty good knockdown shooter as well. Um, but I think he has the upside to be. Uh, honestly, even more of like even a perennial all-star if he's that good defensively and if his offensive game blossoms, I get the notion of how many forwards can they have so, on their roster. Uh, that's my that's the only issue I have with it. But God, they desperately need defense. I, I agree. Does DeAndre Hunter start game one of the 2019-20 season in a Los Angeles Lakers uniform? Too? I think he could. Uh, I think that, he could. That's so disheartening to that your number four pick may start for you and the reason is because there's guys in front of him that are bigger better stronger faster mm. and and whereas Darius Garland I think that's a that's a void that that, that you're feeling Rajon Rondo's gone Darius Lon- Garland's also represented by Rich Paul yeah what a what a coincidence <laughs> so no, no I could see the Garland pick happening I just no, they need defenders so bad I DeAndre agree. Hunter's the best defender in the draft I, I agree but the fact that with your number four pick it, it may not be as much of a of a need, even though they do need someone that can handle the ball. But it's just it's it's a fit, and then you you just just play better defense. That's it. Like I, I get that that's easier said than done, but you have the the pieces around LeBron to to rise to the occasion and do it. Right. Don't draft someone at number four that that needs to come off the bench. I think I think I, I get your reasoning. I just think I just think that that the cons uh, out, outweigh it. All right, number five, the Cleveland Cavaliers, my Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. 
Who are they getting at number five? So, I know exactly who I want, but I have a feeling that you're not going to go in the same direction. Colby Altman, GM of the Cavs, they need to swing for the fences on this one. And and they need they need to go with something that may be a little bit out of left field, but it shouldn't be. And that's Cameron Reddish out of Duke. Oh, wow. Out of Duke. Okay. So it's someone that didn't live up to the expectations at Duke. It's kind of got overshadowed. Whereas DeAndre Hunter was was the man uh, or the offense or the, the man on the championship team, but they 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 went on this far in, in the tournament. Sure. And then Jarrett Cul- Culver is another guy that's getting a lot of recognition because they went to the final four and they went to the championship, and he was the best player on that team. But Cameron Reddish, I think, or I, I, he's a better shooter than than Hunter and Culver. Um, he's got the length, he's got the size, he's got the 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 quickness. And he plays above the rim, and I think defensively he can he'll, he'll improve. But he's got the pieces, so you plug him into a guy that can space the floor, and next to a Kevin Love, and into next to a, a Colin Sexton that that can that can drive and attack. I think right. Cameron Reddish is a guy that can fit into um, uh, Bayline's uh, system at a uh, Bayline system at Michigan. Uh, terrific now. Yeah, it makes me nervous because it has me. I, because John Beeline's the coach, it has me scared that they're going to take Charles Matthews at number five. No, don't. don't <laughs> no, but uh, the guy I want is Jarrett Culver, mm-hmm. and I think that this kid is just so special offensively. This kid just scores and scores and scores. I'll give you a pro comp for him. I think he's Demar Derozan that can shoot threes. That's what I think he is. Is he a terrific three point shooter though? Uh, he's a good. Sh- I think he's a good three point shooter. I think he will develop into a good three-point so, shooter. So the argument is, or the difference is, a two-point shooter developing into a three-point shooter, whereas the drawback on Cam Reddish may be he's too good of a three-point shooter and he's not effective around around the rim. I'm not, no, I, look, I don't disagree with the Reddish pick. I think Reddish is gonna. I think Reddish is gonna fall a little bit. Um, Cam Reddish is an interesting. You know, situation because I think in individual workouts he's going to impress a ton mm-hmm. of teams. Well, all these guys, um, should. you know. But Jarrett Culver to me, I think has the higher upside to become a more volume all around scorer. That I think is what the Cavs need. They need to get. They need defenders too, and I think they're hoping for DeAndre Hunter. Every team needs defense. They they do, but I think he fits perfectly in between Colin Sexton and Chetty Osman. I I actually like that fit there. I think he's automatically a starting two guard in the NBA. I like Jarrett Culver. Uh, Texas if Tech, I, if six I was, five, good shooter. If I was Cam Reddish, I think the best move for me would probably to spend one more year at Duke. That's what I want. Yeah, I think so. That, that's what I would want to see him doing because, as Ray mentioned before, he was kind of underwhelming. Uh, I mean, I know he hit that one. He hit that one big game winner against, against Florida State. Against Florida State, yeah. which was great. It was a great. It was a great inbound by Barrett too. But uh, yeah, I think you're right, Mike. He lived in. The, he kind of lived in the shadow of Barrett and uh, Zion and even Trey Jones a little yeah. bit. So now I feel like him going back there with Barrett and Zion definitely, you know, moving to the NBA now. Maybe we could see him polish a few of his, you know, shortcomings in another year at Duke with with Coach Cal. My my only hesitation is there's only so much there's only so much higher he can go in the draft, which right. means that he would have to knock it out of the park. So I don't I don't disagree. I just think that there's more of a risk. That, I agree. That that the whole fall even There's deeper because of, I, I mean yeah. Duke, Duke is is a, is a factory now where they're not graduating guys they're they're turning they're turning them out one it's year like Alabama, another. It's like Alabama football, right? But even so, they have to stay there three years. But mm-hmm. but, but same case, um, they're, they're still replacing those guys. So just because 
Trey's going back and he'll have the ball in his hands. Um, doesn't mean if Cam goes back, doesn't mean that he's going to have more opportunity. They, right. they, they have the number two or three recruiting class, and those kids are going to want the ball in their hands. So I, I get it. I just don't even think that. Like, he would have to average 28 and four assists a game, win awards, go to the final four. Like, he would have to do so much mm-hmm. to boost his stock from where it is right be now. be a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's already going to be a top 10 pick. So that's I, what I'm saying. There's I, only just, so much I, he I can don't do. Think, yeah, I agree. I, I think if, like, the benefit for him could be extremely high. Like, if Cam Reddish has a great year next year at Duke, if he were to go back, I think Cam Reddish could go number one if he had a great pit, if he had a great draft, mm-hmm. uh, a great season. It's I don't I just don't think it's worth it. You know, it's just not. The, What's he losing? Just a, like a couple of draft slots and money, and that's really – I think he, I think he'd be fine. Too much I agree. All right, uh, number six, the Phoenix Suns. This, I think, is the team that might even be the most mad out of the locker uh, – out of the lottery because I think they so badly wanted John Morant in the mm-hmm. top two. Where do you have him going at number six? I think I know where you're going. Mm-hmm. I think I exactly know where you're going. So this is uh, a almost perfect fit in my eyes, and that's that's Kobe White. Out of North Carolina, yeah, it's a big-bodied guard uh, that is the all-time leading scorer in North Carolina high school basketball history. He came in uh, uh, to UNC and his only year as a Tar Heel um, uh, set it on fire, went above and beyond any expectations. Had a great season with them, and I think he would be a perfect complement to, to to Devin Booker and DeAndre Aiden, someone that enjoys moving the ball. Um, he's a he's a, a shooting star. That for an organization that desperately needs a, a dominant ball handler, and I think that's what that's what Kobe White is. Uh, I, I like Kobe White to Phoenix, but I'm going to take Darius Garland, and I think that mm-hmm. this is. Imagine that backcourt with Booker and Darius Garland, two incredibly good scorers yeah, at that well, point. Th- that's that's the thing with me. I think I think as as valuable as. Kobe White is as a scorer. I think because you have big fella DeAndre Aiden, last year's number one pick, you don't need another guy that can fill it up in the backcourt. You need a guy that's capable of it. Darius going such a small sample size, I think average like two assists. Yeah, a game. He, he was. So it just not a great passer, and he got hurt. So, so. It's, I, I again, I, I hate to keep going back and forth on on, on your picks, but I, I guess that's why I'm here. But no, I, but look, it, it's I'll the same mindset. This. It's a point guard. It's the same mindset. It, it, it might even just be me too, because. In my eyes, from what I did see from Darius Garland, there are some special things about I, his I game. had him going forth. I mean, there are I some agree. special things. I agree. The, the kid is, I, in my opinion, I think he's a less athletic but more shifty Damian Lillard. Right, well, could be. Just a very good scorer. Uh, you know, 6'2". He's got decent size for a point guard. I just think that – and Phoenix needs a point guard so badly. I mean, well, that's the one thing that's holding them back, I, I think, agree. from – they just don't have anybody to run the offense through. De- you know, Devin Booker's not a good passer, and they're running the offense through him. So, Darius Garland, I think, is the guy. I think, you know, if you do put him in a system, you know, you do put him in Monty Williams' system, I think that you can at least kind of develop him into a little bit more of a share. He's never going to be a 10 assist per game guy, but maybe a four or five assist mm-hmm. per game guy, and that's Hopefully. enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? If he's going to average 20 a game, which I think he could, I think it's worth it. All right, Chicago at number seven. So someone that, that of course, dropped in comparison to to your mock, and I think a lot in the same alignment with, 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 where, with what you were thinking is DeAndre Hunter to the Chicago Bulls. So someone, someone, an organization that needs a a defensive stopper 
just as bad as anyone else because you have Zach Levine, you have Roy Markkinen, um, Chris Dunn, and 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 Wendell Carter Jr. and other and un- other young pieces that are talented, but you need that defensive anchor. And I think DeAndre Hunter would be a a, a, a great fit for for the, what the Bulls need right now because Zach Levine has the ball in his hands a lot of the time. Yep. Um, he has a very high usage rate for, for Chicago Bulls right now. And DeAndre Hunter just has had a world of potential. I think that, that, that that would be a great fit. So that just gives you some insight into where my mind was with this mock. It wasn't as much of a big board 1 through 14, but it's yeah. also... I'll, 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 I would draft a guy too high if it if it was the right fit and take him a little bit lower right. if it fit that team. So I, I think Hunter to the Bulls at seven is a is a is a great addition. Yeah, Chicago. This is where I have Kobe White going, and, and I think it's Kobe. I think they could afford to go with point guard. Chris Dunn has not no, panned out not, as much. Not. I think he's probably he's he was a, a top five pick, I believe. Yeah, he's uh, the kid's a nice defender, and I think he's a. You know, he could be a decent shooter, uh, you know, on occasion, but he's a backup at this point in this league. Um, Kobe White, I'm actually not in love with anything that he does particularly. He's a, he's a pretty good all-around player, but he's not great at anything. You know, I, the one thing that I love in his game is how electric he is in transition. Um, that's really the only thing that I see that he's an expert at. I think he's got to develop a little bit more as a um, a little bit more as a shooter. But there's absolutely no question that this kid just play, just makes plays. Mm-hmm. This kid absolutely makes plays. He's a good passer. He's a good finisher at the rim. He's a good shooter. He's, he's a good defender. He's just he's not great at anything. You know what I mean? He's got to get developed in a lot of areas. Of but the one thing the Bulls have, I think, right now is time. Mm-hmm. The upside on Kobe White, I think, is fantastic. Okay. They take him at number seven. All right, Atlanta at number eight. Now, you and I were talking a little bit before. Atlanta's got a chance to really stock up on young talent with two top 10 picks. One at eight, one at 10. What do they do at eight? So see what I did here. Jarrett Culver at eight to the Hawks. And that could be three, four picks further down than, than where he may go. Right. But He might go four. <laughs> he might. But but I, I, think, I, I think at least to number eight and maybe through 10, but at least to number eight is where... There's no doubt about it who it is. I would be very surprised if the eight guys that we named with, with the inclusion of who you're about to say won't be the top eight guys. I just think yeah. that depending on need, fit, executives, and draft draft history, these guys may not go in, in, in the same in, in the order that the consensus is thinking. Right. And it doesn't mean that, that I have it even close, but I, I valued need, um, which is why Darius Garland putting the ball in his hands in a Lakey uniform. Um, same goes for... Uh, Cam Reddish uh, space the floor for for the Cavs gives gives them another perimeter threat someone someone that could develop into into an all around terrific player but someone that already has he'll probably be the second or third best three point shooter on that team and that's, you can't say that for a lot of rookies but anyway Jared Culver I think is a great addition um, he would be a, a another great compliment to Trey Young Kevin Herter John John Collins around the rim they'll they'll hopefully draft another another solid player at ten unless they move one or if not a combination. Right. So right. Jared Culver just just fits in well with, with with where the Hawks are going. Yeah, you're right. And the guy I'm about to say, we've got the same eight guys in the top eight. Cam Reddish goes yeah. here to, uh, yeah, for Atlanta, great. but great fit. It's I think it's a phenomenal fit because I don't think he's Cam Reddish does not have to hold a ton of the workload mm. offensively right away. Trey Young is yeah. a stud at point yeah. guard. This kid can just play. Yeah. Um, 
And like I've said, I think Cam Reddish fits beautifully in that system because I've said this before too. Uh, it's a lot of praise, and I'm not saying they're going to be this good, but I've said it multiple times before. I think Trey Young and Kevin Herter are going to be the next version of Steph Curry and Klay Thompson well, just because they, they play so similar to, mm -hmm. uh, similarly to that style. Kevin Herter's not as good a defender as Klay Thompson mm -hmm. is, but Trey Young, Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish, John Collins, that's something. Number 10 pick. That is plus the number ten pick who could be who could be filling out that spot. Agreed. Cam Reddish, spinning image of Paul George in my opinion. Once his body fills out, give me Cam Reddish at number eight so, for the, for Atlanta. I'll, I'll save these for another day. But you want to know what I love doing? I love looking back at past drafts. Mm -hmm. And I hate doing that. It always <laughs> makes me just anger. Well, <laughs> from from like a, a team fan perspective, hindsight. So I, I'm. I'm not loyal to any of these teams. I think it, it makes me upset that some executives make some some moves. And the only one I'll mention right now, because you just brought his name up, is Paul George. Great pick. I think it was 13. Why I mention him is because, or continue, is because the following year, the Pacers had the 15th pick. You know who they drafted? Who? Kawhi Leonard. Oh, he yeah. Moved, <laughs> moved him on, on draft night for George Hill. For George Hill. Hill. You you Yikes. you want to talk about you want to talk about duos? You pair a young Paul George and a young Kawhi Leonard, right? Jeez, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough to take Rings. down that. It is. That's enough to take down that Miami Heat basketball team. Agreed. That, that group. Paul George took him took him uh, incredibly far. Six seven games. Yeah. Almost by himself. Yeah. Yikes. Those are some good Pacers teams. They would have been even better with Kawhi Leonard. Well, that's and, crazy. And to tie it all around, Frank Vogel. So Frank Vogel, I mean, right. so it will be interesting to see that that dynamic. Obviously, someone that has a lot of experience coaching against LeBron. But mm -hmm. those uh, were great Pacers teams, man. They, like they were Paul they George, were good, Danny Granger, yep. Roy Hibbert, absolutely. Good Pacers teams. Lance Stevenson, mm -hmm. Louis Scola. No, they they Louis, had a lot yeah, of talent. Scola, they Roy, had a lot of talent. Hibbert, they were good. yeah. Very different from how rosters are arranged today. But that was a great team, top to bottom. All right. Number nine, Washington. To me, this is a tough team to figure out. It is. Out. It absolutely is. I have them swinging for the fences here, way out of left field. What do you have them going at number nine? Bull Bull out of Oregon. Oh, yeah? so That's a good fit, in my opinion. It's just why not? You know what I'm saying? Why not? Uh, you, If you keep Bradley Beal, he's only going to take you so far as all, all NBA third team, I believe. You still, I, I think you're still paying Dwight Howard next year. Um, there's only so much talent. I think Jabari Parker is probably going to walk, but just John Wall is, isn't going to be on the team for, for for the entirety of next Once season. Once his probably. contract's up, they're letting him go. No, but that's still three years. I'm, I'm, I know, I'm, that's, I'm, that's a while. I'm, 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 I'm just saying for this next season, your expectations can only be so high because you can't do much in free agency. You can. There's only so many valuable trade assets, so why not draft someone that – that has a world of potential and upside, even more so than a lot of these guys, probably next to Zion, and uh, and just see what happens. And it's not like they have a dynamic front court where you can squeeze him in. So I, I think maybe reaching for Bowl Bowl could could uh, be a, a low risk, high reward. Pick. I definitely do not disagree with it. God, you are gonna hate this. <laughs> you are gonna hate this. Number nine for the Washington Wizards, I'm going to take Nasir Little. And, and here's my thing. I, I think that uh, he has definitely earned himself a spot outside of the lottery as far as what his production was in North Carolina. I don't hate that at all. I think that when you look at what he actually is good at, okay, he was struggling to find minutes at North Carolina. He spent a little bit of time hurt. But think about it like this. 
at the very least, what Washington gets is an elite-level de- defender. Okay, Nasir Little can defend and basically guard anybody. Okay, he's never going to be fantastic offensively, um, but he's an athletic kid, good defender, and you've got time with him. Again, it, Washington, I think, really needs to... They, I, Washington's kind of a team with a lack of direction, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I really don't know they where don't, they're they going. Don't, they don't have a GM yet. Right. You want to talk about lack of direction. You don't have someone. You don't have a decision maker. Right. So I would say just take a chance on a kid who is a highly ranked recruit, who at the very least is a high-level role player defender mm-hmm. that you can just live with. And so he, Nasir Little goes number nine to Washington. He's, he, he's also a fit for them because, like I said, they – they let go of Otto Porter. They let go of Kelly Oubre in separate deals. They brought in Jabari Parker, who I believe uh, has a team option, so he won't be there next year. Right. And, and he'll fill that void. So I know we're coming up on 2 o'clock. So, all right, uh, number 9. Uh, number I'm sorry, 10. number 10, Atlanta. So Jackson Hayes. want to talk about filling in that, yeah. that front court spot. Um, I wasn't as high on him in the beginning and early on or midway through the this season at, at Texas, but the more I watched Jared Allen, I know we talked about the Nets a little bit off air. There's a lot of similarities. So he's a big kid. Um, he's a rim protector. Obviously, plays above the rim, and just another kid. A, a ton of a ton of upside um, once he once once the development um, is is his full time responsibility. So mm-hmm. and then you pair him in a, in a young front court with John Collins, two guys that two elite athletes that can protect the rim and run the floor. Um, just, just, just a good fit for me. No, I agree. Uh, Jackson Hayes goes here at uh, at ten to Atlanta, and here's my thing: six eleven, two twenty. He's a little bit thin in his frame, but the kid is as athletic as they come as far as big men. This kid is just so freaking jump crazy. I, I, I mean, he's never going to stretch the floor. He's not. He's not a shooter. He's not. But he's. It, it, it's so hard. It's so hard to say that he's not or he won't be. Look at Brooke Lopez. Well, yeah, figure. you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I, mean I, I know that's that's a vet, but if he did it in such a dramatic fashion, no, you're right. You're, you're right. He he absolutely could. Just because it's not um, in his game right now doesn't mean it can't be one day. But yeah, I, no, I know I, it's not his arsenal. I agree. But the kid is incredibly yeah. efficient inside in the paint. He's actually a good paint scorer yeah, for sure. Um, and he's a great rim protector. Yeah. I, as far as rim protectors go in the draft, other, other than Zion, I don't know he's if there's there. a better one in the draft. I mean. That's really what I got to say about Jackson Hayes. And again, you now look at this starting five with what we've put together, at least what I've put together. Young, Herter, Reddish, Collins, and Jackson Hayes. That's a legit NBA starting five. That is a legitimate NBA starting five. So Jackson Hayes goes to the Hawks at number 10. All right, Minnesota at number 11. What do you got? Uh... Keldon Johnson out of Kentucky. Really? So this is Keldon Johnson, huh? This is someone that that I'm probably more high on than than a lot of others. But it's a six five, six six wing that just knows how to put the ball in the bucket. And this is someone that kids got a lot of work to do, though. And all these kids have a lot of work to do. We, we were talking about how the number one pick needs to needs to get a better jumper. So no, it, you're right. So it, it all and. All these guys have deficiencies that that need that they need to work on, but you have you have Jeff Teague in the backcourt if you if you're able to retain him this offseason. You have Carl Anthony Towns uh, everywhere, but he, he he's your go-to. I think what they're missing, what they tried to have and develop in Andrew Wiggins, and it hasn't worked out in my eyes, is that formidable go-to scorer on the perimeter. And I think Keldon Johnson has a lot of Will Bard in him where he's just a shifty wing that can just get to the rim, finish with contact, 
as well as step out from behind the arc and uh, and knock down shots. So I think that that's what they need right now, and and uh, that would be a good pick for them. Uh, Minnesota, I have going in a little bit more of a different direction. I'm going to take the first international guy off the board. This is where I have Sekou Dumboya mm-hmm. going. I, this right. is, I think, probably right. the consensus number one international guy. I, I think mm-hmm. some people might say it's Goga Patadze, mm-hmm. but that might be the only guy in contention for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but Sekou Dumboya, I think, has maybe as much upside as anybody. It's just the fact that you don't get to see him that much. Mm-hmm. But he's got good size, and his game is relatively well-rounded. He's yep, a good absolutely. passer. He's already a good defender. He's got a pretty decent he's got body an open already. Court he can handle. He's yeah. great without the ball. Yeah. And to be honest, what what we saw just earlier, the kid has the potential to be a pretty good scorer. I think he could step in. He's probably a power forward in the NBA. Fit in between Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns. I think that they can live with that. And now, since you've got. Dumboya, and you also have Dario Saric. Minnesota's building something now. Yep, agreed. I think Dumboya is a good fit. And even if he doesn't play right away, you've got time with him because you've got Saric there already. Mm-hmm. And he kind of, he actually kind of reminds me of Saric a little bit. Um, maybe a little bit more athletic yeah. than Saric is, but they're the same type of player. Minnesota, I think, would benefit from guys like that. I agree. Uh, all right, number That's 12, Charlotte. So Charlotte's future rides on Kemba Walker's decision to either accept a Supermax deal with upwards of $200-plus plus million right. or go somewhere else where he believes he has a better chance of, of winning. Uh, regardless, I think it's Roy uh, Hachimura out of Gonzaga. Okay. I think this is one of the more overall talented guys in this draft. He'll be, uh, I think he's 20 or 21 right now, so he's, he's more mature than a lot of these players. Right. Um, Japanese descent, played at Gonzaga, as I mentioned. Um, so a ton of high-level experience, both um, domestically for um, uh, an NCAA as well as internationally representing his country. And it's just, if you're an organization like Charlotte, you just got to bring in high-level, high-intensity um, talent and, and guys that are, that are going to compete on every possession. And that's what you get out of, out of Hachimura. Uh, I like it. I'm going in a similar direction. This is where Bol Bol comes mm. off the board for me. I think it's a good fit. If you want my opinion on Bol Bol, I think he is... I think he's got top five skill. This kid is, I think, definitely one of the top, as far as skill is concerned, top five or seven players in this entire draft. The thing that scares me about Bol Bol is that he's 7'2 and only 235 pounds. The kid is so fragile, and he's so skinny. I, I really worry about his health going forward. But I think Bol Bol, because... He's 72235 and he can step out and hit a yeah, three. I mean th- this kid can, this yeah, kid can, can really he's Clint Capella inside and he's Ryan Anderson outside. It's really it's really amazing, but Bol Bol I think is one of those players where you've got to give him time for his body to fill out, but I think that 4-5 combination, that power forward center combination of Bol Bol and Miles Bridges, I actually think could be incredibly good. Complement each other well. Um, Miles Bridges, who's a little bit of a smaller forward that's crazy athletic. Flasher, yeah. And then Bol Bol, who's a guy that can stretch the floor and protect the rim and all of this stuff. Bol Bol goes to Charlotte at number 12. Small market. Kid's got some time to develop. I think it's a good fit. All right, 13, the Miami Heat. Kevin Porter Jr., freshman guard out of USC. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Dwayne Wade is leaving. I'm not saying he's the heir apparent, but the, the we're doing the comparisons. He's either going to be a Dion Waiters or he's going to be a Dwayne Wade. Right. And I think if you're Miami, you you take the chance. So you you have you have your backcourt for right now of Goran Dragic and Josh Richardson, and you bring in this this young kid out of out of the West Coast in Washington that is a lefty scorer, reminiscent of, of early James Harden before he built up this super arsenal of offensive weaponry of his. And uh, Kevin Porter has a, has a lot of that game um, in in his style of play. So I think that's that's a a great a great pick where you can just get a lot of uh, a lot of scoring opportunities through through someone at the end of the lottery. I can definitely see them going guard, but I'm going to take Brandon Clark. And here's okay. here's my issue: it's that I, Hassan Whiteside is going to get traded. Mm-hmm. There's it's inevitable he's going to get traded. The league, I think, is going to start pointing towards versatile big guys that can pass and shoot. You're going to see a lot more Jokic's in the league in the future, right? You're going to need to defend those guys, especially on the inside. Brandon Clark, I think, is a solid defender at his size. He's very Paul Millsap to me. You know what I mean? He's not as good of an outside shooter as Millsap yet, but he's very efficient on the inside. He's he's a tough kid. Um, he's a solid rebounder, again, for his size. Brandon Clark and Bam Adebayo, I think, could be very nice. Because Bam Adebayo, I, when I scouted that draft, Bam Adebayo was my number 11 overall player. I think the I think the kid was incredibly underrated. Um, catch lobs all day, incredibly explosive, and he's shown that. He's a, he's a, he's a good player right now. Brandon Clark and Bam Adebayo, I think, could f- complement each other well in Miami. Uh, all right. Round out the lottery. The Boston Celtics at number fourteen. This pick's interesting. It is, and I'm going. I'm first of three they have in the yep. first round. Crazy, undoubtedly the the most important, and and uh, I'm, I'm going with the guy you just mentioned, Brandon Clark. So uh, I mentioned him as someone that just given my my time in Chicago at the at the combine, I think that he may have slid a little bit, and I've mentioned he's probably borderline. So that's where I'm going to put him right now at fourteen. I think that if he goes to a team with a system intact, where he won't have to be a focal point, and uh, on on both ends of the floor, or rather on either end of the floor, where he can just play his role and uh, and be a seamless a seamless fit. Uh, that's that's what I see the situation in Boston because you have a bunch of young talent and you have Horford will probably um, accept his uh, his player option and then add Brandon Clark just to finish around the rim and, and guard other teams' best best of offensive players. Yeah, I, I, I like the direction you're going in. Uh, Brandon Clark's off the board yep. for me, so uh, this is the second international guy. I'm going to take Goga Batadze here. Uh, this is a, a kid that dominated the EuroLeague was people are saying that he d- dominated at the level of what Luka Doncic did last year um, so I think you're getting an extremely high upside center here Big kid, right? Yeah. one thing that Boston needs and they kind of addressed it in last year's draft but he really struggled for minutes last year is they are awful on the glass they mm-hmm. cannot rebound whatsoever Robert Williams is a good rebounder yeah. Goga Batate is a better rebounder this kid can flat out get on it I think this kid's going to be a double double machine He's never going to be a mega scorer. He's going to be a 10, 15 point a game type scorer, but he's going to grab 12, 13 boards a night if he if he develops any uh, any plays that role. Uh, so I am very much in on Goga Batadze going uh, going to Boston. Plus, they've got a ton of draft picks in this draft. 
if he decides to stay another year in Europe, I think they can live with that because <laughs> they've got a lot of spots. They don't have very many roster spots that they can yeah. fill up right now. They've got two more first-round picks. So if Goga decides to stay overseas, um, I think they can live with that. But he definitely fills a need, and I think it's an incredible upside pick for the Boston Celtics at 14. All right, that's the lottery mock. So before we go on to the news, before we close out the show, um, who is a guy that what's a fit that you want to see not even just in the lottery but in the entire draft player team what's something that you want to see one towards the end of the first round and someone that we brought up off air is, is Ty Jerome to the Milwaukee Bucks and I say that really? I say that because they'll have a lot of guys on expiring contracts and that's just the first one that, that came to mind is having bringing a dependable championship level guard that you can rely on and you, that means you don't you're not pressured to have the ball in Giannis's hands and um and I think that the pace that the that the the Bucks are now playing in um he's a capable three-point shooter but his best ability is his is his court vision and 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 how he reads the floor and creates for others and uh, and just makes passes that a lot of guys in this draft class don't. So that's just one guy at the end of the first round that I, I see a team like the Spurs or the Bucks snagging because it's someone that you know what you're getting out of him and he does have upside, but he's just more consistent um, given his his couple years at Virginia and his, and his championship ring. God, I just I'm so not in on Ty Jerome. He's Why just. Is that? I, I just don't. I, his game doesn't. Well, he's not flashy. Well, he's no, not, I know he's not flashy. He's gonna be a decent passer. He's gonna fill lanes. Okay, it's just I, he's a backup for me. You know, I, I just I don't see him playing well, any huge roles anywhere. That, so why can't he be the Fred Van Fleet for the Milwaukee? He Bucks could be. Forward? He could be. I'm not saying he. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just. I don't love. I, I just don't love him as a player. I just there's don't. Only, love there's him. only so much you can do at the end of the round. So at the end of at the end of the, the first round. So like I said, that was just someone that I think there's other guys that of course will go higher than him. Um, specific needs and fit. Uh, maybe we'll save it for another day. But that's just one guy given the Bucks roster scenario where they're going to lose a bunch of their valuable pieces. Right. You you need to know what you're bringing in um, with a late round first round pick, and and I think that's what that's what we'll be getting at, Ty Jerome. All right. Uh, let's send it over. It's Wii Sports Wednesday. It is Wii Sports Wednesday. It is. It is Wii Sports Wednesday. It is Wii Sports Wednesday. Let's send it over to our Big J journalists, Vinny Mutone, Matt Catarizzola. What do you got, guys? Um, Sports Center came out with a very interesting article, um, and I'll just read you the headline because I thought it was very shocking. It says, "Is this the final series for the Warriors as we know them?" Huh. Obviously, this is regarding KD, Draymond, uh, Clay. Um, but is this? It depends the fi- on is what the final series. It depends for- on what they mean. Because if it's Clay if it's with, Clay, I think. Well, here's <laughs> I, I said this before: the Warriors over anything else should prioritize bringing back Clay Thompson. Absolutely, without question, they Absolutely. should prior. They should give Clay Thompson as much money as the guy wants. Absolutely. Okay. He and it's not because he's better than Clay uh, than Kevin Durant. It's because I think he's more valuable than Kevin Durant. He, you know, he he can keep what they're trying to do going longer. Yeah. Right. Um. So if they mean with KD, I think it's possible. I yeah. still think he. I still think he stays. 
It's just, I. I so let's. I, I let's think do, I think it is very possible. Yeah. So let's do a little hot take: Is will the Warriors be in the uh, finals next year? Are they? Gonna, yeah. Are they still going to yeah. be the team to beat in the West? Yes. If yes, they, they will. If they, if if Steph, Clay, Draymond Green are still that their current team without yeah. KD is still relatively intact, then yes, absolutely. Okay. Now, what if uh, what if Houston goes ahead and does this? Everyone's on the table, right? So all the stars align. Yeah. It depends on what Houston does. But that's the thing is I don't know if Houston's got a shot anyway. Mm -hmm. Houston, I think, would have a shot if they were able to pull another superstar in. They've got a shot. If they were able to get Davis or if they were able to – Get Kevin Durant free agency. (laughs) Imagine. I've brought that up. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. But if it's – that's the only shot that I see them yeah. having. I, I mean, I just, the, I don't the way see that I'm, I'm, I'm seeing it now is, you know, you have basically every team in the West. They're, they're not, they're not even building teams to win championships. They're building teams to beat the Golden State. Right. Um, right. So like beating the when, Patriots. In exactly. The yeah. So once we get to um, a time, I mean, this article mentioned 2020. I think that's a little early um, for to count out the Warriors because it's only one season away. Um, but I think think about how awesome it is it's going to be to watch the West fight every year once the once it's not a guaranteed Warriors in the final. How awesome! Oh, it's going to be great! Be? It's yeah. going to be great! It's going to be fantastic for the league. Absolutely. Well, it's the same thing with the East with LeBron leaving. Like, look at how look at how exciting and how up in the air. I mean, at least we all thought it was at one yeah. time. The East became once LeBron left. I mean, we had four teams, five four teams that were at least. All at one point looked like evenly matched to take the crown with Boston, Milwaukee, Toronto, and Philadelphia. And then after these after these playoff games and series have passed, obviously we've seen that you know Toronto's taking the torch. But right, you know, it, 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 it again it all depends on a lot of things, a lot of players, and what I think Kawhi is going to do next season will again impact the entire impact the entire dynamic of the Eastern Conference. So I mean. Yeah, like you just said, Ben. Like I wanna, I wanna know at what point does the competition actually go back to being about teams and not about either individual domination or one team domination? Because we've seen for the past eight, eight or so years, the Eastern Conference has been dominated by one player. We've seen for the past five or six years, the Western Conference be dominated by one team. So once the worst that, part about it is you can't even penalize them. What are you gonna do? You know? Yeah, stop being so good. Yeah, like, right. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, wow, you, you did such a good job building this team up. Now we're gonna take it back. Here's <laughs> my, we're gonna break it down. <laughs> here's my solid answer. I don't know. I, I, I really <laughs> really solid answer. Like, when when are we gonna get back does. to like the question you're saying? Like, when are we gonna get back to that more, you know, team team oriented parity instead of player oriented parity? I don't know because I, I, that's the thing is I don't know if the NBA is ever going to be that. You know what I mean? Because yeah. the players have so much control over what they do right now. I think it is always going to be about superstars, and the superstars are going to succeed. Like I said, the past seven NBA finals have consisted of the same three players, LeBron, Steph, and Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. The, it's been seven years. Seven years. Like, se- rebuilding plans take half that long. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just, I don't know. That that's my honest answer. I have no idea. It kind of, I mean, it's unfortunate. It, it depends on how you look at it, which angle you take. But it's unfortunate that across almost every sport, except for the MLB, really, all I can think of is that, like, it is every 
for the last seven or five years, it's been the same players or teams. Hockey has been the same captains winning the cup over the last couple of years. Right. Football, Tom Brady's in every Tom Brady's in every damn Super Bowl. Exactly. It, it's it's crazy. Major League Baseball is interesting because the Yankees are obviously really, really, really good when they get healthy. But I think the Houston Astros yeah. are kind of like the closest to like a dynasty like team. They got a yeah. championship two years ago. They kind of ran into a great team in the Boston Red Sox and still lost about five or six, I think yeah. it was, to the Red Sox. But they're really good. They lost Carlos Correa for four to six weeks right now, but they're really good. It's just it's that Astros team could win multiple It's something titles. about baseball where, you know, when it comes down to the end of the season, literally any team oh, yeah. could make it. Any team can make it. Absolutely. I Astros mean, last season, pitching. look at the look at the Yankees and the Red Sox last season. The Yankees had to play a wild card game, and they dominated. Oh, dominated. They won 100 games, the, and, we yeah, had to, and we had to play oh, yeah, a wild card game. We had to play game. a wild card right. game. Like, I mean, yeah, I mean that, yeah, but. Yeah. It's very yeah. strange. All right, so uh, I want to talk about this. So uh, after after the Eastern Conference uh, Finals ended with uh, the Toronto Raptors beating the Bucks, uh, Giannis walked out of the post-game press conference after being asked a question about whether or not experience played a factor in the Bucks not being able to do the job against Toronto. Yeah. Now, I, I mean, I understand that. was a that very fair question. It's a very it fair is. question because it's a lot of, it's, 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 it, first of all, it's legit. And a lot of people have said, okay, well. And she wasn't snobby about no, it. No, she was a very the fair no, no, no. question. I actually have a little bit of a bone that, to pick. That was a great yeah, yeah. question by that reporter. It wasn't yeah. rude. It wasn't out of left field. Like, I'm sure Giannis, like, hears things. And, yeah, and right. you know, like. People, people were asking, like, all right, well, no one's been here before. Kawhi, like, it's different with Toronto. Kawhi Leonard and Danny Green have been there. Marcus Saul's a veteran. You know, you, like, there are people that have been around for a while. Giannis has been in the league for, like, a decent amount of time now. But, again, this is his first big stage. This is his first yeah. kind of, not breakout season, but it's, it's his best season so far. And, I mean, I feel like... What I want to know is, we saw we saw James Harden. So Giannis is an MVP candidate this season, and we saw James Harden win win it last year, and then he continued this season, especially in that stretch of like what was it like thirty three games where he scored over thirty points. So we saw him kind of continue his hot streak, and he's he's in the MVP conversation again. So I want to know whether or not this is gonna haunt Giannis or it's gonna motivate him because he's he is the type of player that says. You know, so when he goes back to Milwaukee, he's greeted by you know MVP chance when they, when the whole team gets back. So I want to know what you think uh, this is going to do to Giannis's mentality going forward. In I think he will take it by the horns and make it his bitch. I, I, I hope really, so. I really I hope do because so. I, Giannis does not seem like he is a mentally weak guy. This this no. is a very, absolutely. You got to keep in mind, Giannis is what twenty four. I mean, Giannis is so young kid. still. It's only twenty four years old, and the kid is already so mentally tough and. Like, that's the thing. is like, with the experience and everything like that, I think that reporter hit the nail on the head when she asked that question. And to be honest, I don't even know if it was the question yeah, that, that, that... He took it personally. I don't think so, Vin. I think you it don't was just... It could have been the culmination of everything that I just think, transpired. Yeah, I think it, so it might have just been a bunch of I think it was an these. article. Malika Andrews asked the question, and she... But, like, right after the game ended, she brought out... She came out with an article about Giannis leaving... Like oh. after like 2020 or something like that to the late or it was just like if they didn't build the championship team by 2020 he would leave. He might have caught wind of that. Maybe. There was some stuff that he caught wind of it, and when she asked that question, he just said, "I'm Honestly, not answering." He if, says if, he likes being yeah, in the But if I had to guess, he wants I don't to think be. he's but going but anywhere. But he, wants wants to, either. he wants to. Yeah, I mean, if you if you if you ask like the older players once you know when they're eliminated, um, whether it's a game seven or a game four, if, if they get knocked out. 
Um, from what I've heard in Players' Tribune and stuff like that, players know how to turn the switch off the yeah. second the final horn, buzzer, whatever goes off. Yeah. Um, maybe it is because he's 24 and this was his first big stage that, yeah. you know, you, you get to that table and he's still frustrated mm. when a lot of players know how to turn that off, and I don't think he knew how to well, yet. Let me just artic- say this, article too. Or, article or not, I think he definitely should have just answered the question. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just stick with it. I agree, but I, I, I think Ray's right. It might have just been the building up of yeah. he's getting asked a bunch of questions. That it might have just been just like, Boiling you know what? I, I'm just I'm gonna yeah. go. Yeah. Look it, at, like look at Cam Newton after the Super Bowl. Cam Newton's th- a bit of a different story. That, yeah. He's Cam a little Newton's bit of a baby. baby. That's fine, but what, what baby. But what I'm saying is, I it's it's at least similar. Where it's like yeah. answering reporters' questions the moment you lose your season or end your season is the very it's last tough. thing. And I'm not I'm not yeah. disagreeing that he could kind of a fragile yeah. time to ask a question. It's definitely the last time you want, especially something like that. And do not be surprised, okay, if next year. We get like thirty and fifteen out of Giannis next year. He'll be a yeah. better player next Giannis season. Giannis will be a monster. He'll be a better well, player. I was I was actually gonna say And he's gonna shoot like yeah. I next year he's gonna I think he's gonna be thirty fifteen six assists a game and he's gonna shoot thirty five percent from three. He is gonna spend all offseason working on that jump shot. Yeah. Nice. I he is gonna be in the gym shooting 2,000 shots yeah. a day. It's going to be horrifying. In, in regards to that uh, that question the reporter asked him, we were talking about his mentality. I, I mean, do you do you guys really think that that was a big enough of a scene that it's really going to carry on much longer? I, I think it's kind of going to go by the wayside. After. What do you mean? As like as another, in other words, we were saying, like, oh, is, he, is this going to hurt him or is, is he going to be stronger from this? I think she's just going to blow it off, I, I think, by the time next season well, no, starts. No, 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 no. Not, 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 not the question. This is going to sit. Not the question in particular. I'm talking about... Like after losing the Eastern Conference, oh, okay. and I know for, okay. after, oh, getting, after oh. getting handled in the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. almost yeah. by single-handedly yeah. by one player. Oh, that makes okay, that's, yeah, that's, absolute, that will. I, yeah, he's going to be out for Kawhi's head next year, yeah. wherever he Where, is. I'm about to say Kawhi might not be next year. Wherever, wherever he is, he's still going to play him. Wherever he is. Yeah, I, I just I have a like a personal bone to pick with that that whole scenario, and I'm sure you can agree, and I know you can. It's our job. As journalists mm-hmm. and reporters, it's our job. Ask the tough we ha- we yeah. have a job to do just as much as you do. And I, right. I mean, ever since I first started watching sports, I get frustrated. First mm-hmm. time I saw it was with John Tortorella when he, uh, you know, when he was coaching. And and, and any time he got asked a question, if he didn't like the reporter, he'd tell you to get out of the locker room, or you know, he would curse you well, out. Well, how do you think? Day, how do you yeah. think players? Uh, like, how do you think reporters feel when they have to go talk to Popovich? Yeah, I mean, I can't even. I, well, I that was my issue with Westbrook this year. Yeah. Next question. Or, or, Next question. Or it's like Didn't Mar- matter what the question Marshawn was. Marshawn Lynch. I'm just here so I don't get fined. If I'm a, if I'm a reporter, especially if this is a Super Bowl, I need. I mean, this is how I make a living. Yeah. Like, when when players know? just have bad attitudes yeah. at the media, yeah. it's just like like uh, that's what I took away from Russell Westbrook this year because it was just like the, you could ask him that. You could have asked him. Uh, Russ, you hit five three pointers in the uh, in the third quarter in this game. What was going right for you? Next question. Yeah. Like, dude, look at, yeah. Well, look at like, head come coaches. On, man. Yeah. Head coach in the NFL, and Mike Ditka. That, and that question that uh, Giannis got asked by that reporter, he had the opportunity to turn that question into something that would shine as such a golden light on him. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? He he sure. had a chance to turn that and make that answer uh, a positive out of a negative, and he sure. Did and the I know he opposite. is. And I know he isn't the best athlete, but. The guy who is picture perfect with the media, and he's had his run-ins with the media too. But he does it in a in a way that is like, like, listen, I know you guys have a job to do and everything like that, but I can't answer that right now. Mm-hmm. That, he'll that's even another, use, yeah. he'll even use the media as like like fuel going forward. Yeah. Is Tim Tebow mm-hmm. like? 
the way that Tim Tebow interacts with the media is textbook what athletes he should look at. He works for ESPN. I'll just say, he, are, are he we gonna, is a member of the are media. We, are we going to see before Tim that, Tebow? You're never going to see another field. player play harder than me this Probably season. Not. You're <laughs> never going to see another player play... You know, you're never going to see another team work as hard as we do this season. Like, yeah. it's that kind of stuff that Ashley mm-hmm. should want to be. It should never be like, I don't got to answer your yeah, question. You, I, I oh, feel I if you're an athlete, you should never, it's part of your job, and you should never have to look at, uh, at if whether you're sitting at a table in a press conference and you're doing one-on-one with a reporter, you should never look at them it's as your a job, pest. man. You yeah. should never look at them like this is a waste of time. It is literally part of your job. And Giannis right? is so easy to root for because he's such like a, he's such a good kid. Like, people yeah. like, people, he's, I, first of all, I think he's like the most likable player in the, like, one of the, yeah. He's, one per, of the, yeah. he's, he's fun to watch. Just, yeah, nice he's guys. fun to watch. Yeah. He's good. He's personable. And I feel like, He's funny as I hell. Feel like, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's hilarious. And and I feel like people like feel similarly about him that they feel with like Joel Embiid. Even though Joel Embiid can rub people kind of the wrong way. I'm I'm one of them. I'm not a huge Joel Embiid fan, but yeah. I really hope that uh one of the reasons I hope Kawhi Leonard stays in the Eastern Conference is kind of to like, okay, like what's the next couple years gonna look like? Like he first of all, he he crushed the 76ers with that shot. Crushed their spirits. He reduced Joel Embiid to tears. He handle the Bucks too. So I want to see like what this kind of like power struggle is going to look like between these three, like Kawhi, Embiid if he stays in Philadelphia, and, well Kawhi if he stays in Toronto, Embiid if he stays in Philadelphia, and uh, and Giannis. So I want to know like, wow, listen, if you want to talk about like kind of changing the narrative about Eastern Conference and domination about that, like I think I think there's two players that are going to be well more than motivated now that. Uh, Kawhi Leonard has ran yeah. through them both. Watch, we're so worried about Golden State, and it makes it to every finals. Now the Eastern Conference Finals are going to be the same for the and next however yeah. <laughs> many years. The one thing, <laughs> the one thing that I'm afraid of, though, is that let's say Kawhi does what Ray thinks he's going to do, and he ships himself over to the Clippers. He goes to the Western uh, Conference. He goes to Los you Angeles. Think, you think he's taking Clippers over? Um, I think if it's anywhere that isn't Toronto, I think it's the Clippers. Over, but yeah. over Lakers? Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, Clippers yeah. over Lakers. But He doesn't want to play with LeBron, dude. He's and not, and he doesn't yeah. want to play with LeBron. And who, LeBron. And honestly, who would want to play for the Lakers? Who would want to play for the Lakers right now? But let's say, let's, say Ray, let's say Kawhi does what Ray thinks he's going to do and he goes to the Clippers, right? Kawhi not being in the East anymore, at least in that conference, there isn't that head for you to go get anymore. My only fear is is that I don't think Giannis is going to do it. I'm not even sure Embiid or Ben Simmons are going to do it or anything of that nature. These guys, could there be growing complacency? Because, all right, now that Kawhi's gone, I, I think we got a fair shot. That motivation, just that energy kind of just goes to the wayside. There's yeah. no adrenaline in that thing in that anymore. I, I actually, I kind of, you know I, I, mean? I think I would uh, disagree with that because you think so? Yeah, I, I would say. Um, think about when you know LeBron leaves, and if I'm in the Eastern Conference, if I'm a Giannis or if I'm Kawhi, I'm like, I want to be that number one. So if you take out a, another piece of that uh, equation, and you're narrowing it down now to just uh, Joel or um, Giannis. I would that would give me at least if I was an athlete more motivation for sure. Uh, I would want to be the poster boy of the Eastern Conference. Um, Some players don't want that though. Yeah. Some players don't. Well, want yeah, the I mean, literally, like Kawhi doesn't want that, he, and he said that he doesn't want to be. Uh, and that is you know part of the I mean? reason why I think he could stick in Toronto. Yeah. Toronto is yeah. not going to be. Toronto's not global. Yeah. Toronto is is a. Yes, it is. That's a huge, no, that's it's a huge market. Toronto is a huge market. 
Toronto is not. It's not Los Angeles. It's, it's just because it's not Los Angeles. But it's, mean a, it's very, not a big market. Very passionate sports town. It's a very, very passionate, passionate sports, sports town. town. But what I'm saying is, he'd be playing in the he'd be playing in the inferior conference, where he's playing in an entirely different country. Yeah. Yeah. That's all it is. You know it's I mean? Canada. Like, that's that's yeah. a differentiator right here. It's it's being either home in Los Angeles or being far away in Canada. Being in exile almost. And then it's not even I think a he get, sticks. It's, it's not a get. I do. I think he sticks. I think it's you wanting him to stick more than, <laughs> no, than I the do. reality I, of it. I think he sticks. I Look, I think Toronto's done everything that they could to make him stay. And it is entirely up to Kawhi. If Kawhi's biggest thing is... He it's wants family. to live in Los Angeles, yeah. then he will go to the That's Clippers. That's what it looks like to me. So if, if you, but if, if it's you not, put then Toronto's family, the better option. If you put family by the wayside, what is his um, benefit of going to L.A.? Besides, I'm, I'm, I don't think there is one. Yeah, so they for, were just in the playoffs. They have, for a, they have his a terrific actual, team. Around, they, I think that they can build a terrific team, a contending they, championship team around Kawhi Leonard. They would, be good in Lo- they would be good for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... The truth of the matter is, is that they will always be the Lakers' little brother. It's not. It doesn't mean that they're they're going to be worse than the Lakers, but the Lakers are always going to get the most of that attention. But if they win a couple does, of championships. Who cares? Does that not well, seem like 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 Kawhi esque? It does seem like Kawhi esque, but it is still Los Angeles, uh, uh, where he's from. It's not. It's not going to to New York if you're Kevin Durant because it's New York City. Is going back home. And I, I just okay. and, and I, mean, I, look, I get the point if you put that to the wayside. Yeah, but, but look, I, that's, I, I also we also said the same team. thing about yeah. Kevin Durant going to Washington. No, but no, but 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 he canceled that automatically. But where the, there's there's numerous reports that it's yeah. it's home. It's where his family is. Is this is? Do you know if is L.A. like is that or is that his childhood team? Oh, that I don't know. Like, who because, he rooted for growing up? Because Yeah, because grew, I know that as... He grew up as, in, as, in Los Angeles. He yeah. grew up in SoCal. Because so, I know as athletes, I mean, that is kind of one of those goals to well, hit, is finishing your career in or home. playing for your home. Right. It, look at... You look know. at it, it is to a degree, and there's guys, and I'm going to get crucified. I'm blanking on his name. Just one from... I may, I may not even bring it up. Shouldn't, but the Islanders to the to the Maple Leafs. So yeah, John yeah. Tavares. So, so yeah. I get the whole picture That's of him in it. Yeah, yeah. But, right. But, but, and then you look at Paul George, who mm-hmm. elected to stay in Oklahoma City rather than go home and yeah. play for his childhood team in the Lakers. Yeah. That's so, where I'm getting this from. We're yeah. I, re- like, I really do think Kawhi is going to pull a Paul George. Maybe. Nobody yeah. expects it. Like... Everybody's writing Kawhi Leonard into the LA Clippers roster already. Watch it like end up in Everybody was writing Paul George. <laughs> Paul George, LeBron James with the Lakers. That Detroit, everybody dude. was saying that at the beginning. <laughs> and then Paul George on the in the first minute yeah. of free agency re-signs with Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. Announces it at Russell Westbrook's like party. birthday party. Yeah. Right. I think I think a lot of it has to do with uh I know we've been oh, this has been the term of the dysfunction of the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah. And um crazy. And, and, and the it's, 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 it's the worst time for them to I for this to all be going. I mean, you have dump Palenka, free agency coming up. Dump uh, dump uh, uh I'm so sorry. Palenka. Dump Polenka. Yeah. Dump Curtin Linda Rambis. The, Jeannie Bus Jeannie Bus needs to sell the team. She never will, but she needs <laughs> tra- tra- the Lakers are never going to have success unless they get entirely new ownership. Trade LeBron might, might have to be a part of that then. Yeah. I'm not kidding. Like, you know, I really grace. I really hope that the Lakers do trade LeBron because he's never gonna succeed in Los Angeles with this. And yeah. I think this whatever's going on with the Lakers right now, I actually think is benefiting the uh, the the view of LeBron's legacy because this isn't even re- mid season where I was like oh LeBron's trying to control the team Rich Paul clutch sports all this stuff right 
LeBron has nothing to do with this dysfunction anymore. LeBron's like, <laughs> what the hell? Ma- yeah, you know Ma- I mean? Magic like, didn't even text me that he was leaving. Like, you know, like, because yeah, like, like, it's not his fault. You think, and Magic, when it, Magic laid it all on the line, right? When he mm. went on first take that one day and threw everybody else under yeah. the bus. LeBron did not come up once. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that tell you? LeBron's on the back end just Tells like he was any other star would be. Yeah. It's such a misconception. Also, just in uh, to Magic's credit, he everything you said he put on the line on that first take, he also did before he got the job. He was like, if I'm unhappy, if I can't make decisions, yeah. I'm leaving. Yeah. I'm out. And right. he did. That's what he did. And, he yeah. didn't, and, and yeah. you're right. He did. And, <laughs> and, a, and we all know the kind of guy that Rob Palenka is now. <laughs> the, Heath Ledger, like <laughs> Heath Ledger, died nothing. six months no, before, before the movie came out. I, I got know, nothing man. on that. If that if I you, mean, you come can't. on! I don't know what that's that. a fireable offense if, in my if opinion. I'm, come if on, I'm a man. player, I'm, I'm having a hard time playing for someone with, credi- oh, yeah. with credibility issues like but, that. But the, oh, only, yeah. the only thing that matters is that he's the man that writes their checks. Mm-hmm. No, and you're right. So, but he's, it's, but it's he's, not the coach. He sits in on... on, I, that, on like, that is unbelievable. And from yeah. an outside perspective... It's weird. Looking <laughs> in for the yeah, NBA, to, NBA, to NBA organizations, but to read in in an article as in-depth as, as that one by Baxter Holmes that that's just not the norm. Yeah, he went, he went and polled not mm-hmm. every NBA GM or exec, but that is not the norm. And they're they're steering. The, if it weren't for LeBron, I think that's a sinking ship. Oh yeah. And uh, he's keeping them afloat, maybe barely. I, I don't right. know what goes in a person who says who does what Rob Palenka did. That's why like, when, when it comes to the Heath well, Ledger his, thing, uh, I don't know what, don't know what his, goes in a person that does. To yeah, do that. His, his excuse yeah, just, for that. Th- to be honest, that's just like. That's actually awful. No, yeah. That's really, he, he really said, awful. Saying you had dinner with a, saying that your client had dinner with a guy who's been dead for six who's months. Who's been dead for, who was dead six months previous. Yeah. Well let's not forget hey, that, that he was Heath Let, let's not forget on. that he was a former agent. And, and let's not forget hey, yeah. I guarantee so, yeah. you to him that's the norm. I if guarantee I, you that's all Rob Palenka. I give Kobe a lot of crap. Yeah. I really do. I don't think Kobe ever asked Rob Palenka <laughs> even to hook him up with Lee with Kobe. Heath Ledger. Yeah, well with most people, you know, it, it would be like lights and cameras second, politics first. And for him it's yeah, it's so the opposite. Right. And because that's what he's used to. Crazy. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. All right, yeah. we gotta go. Uh, Ray Anzelowitz, Gotham Hoops. Thanks for joining appreciate us, man. Appreciate it. We're obvi- awesome having you. We'll obviously you, bring you back. It. You're a good friend to us, uh, the network. Big J Journalist. Good Wii Sports Wednesday, Wii man. Sports yeah, phenomenal. Wednesday. Good Wii Sports Wednesday. Vinny Mutone, Matt Catarizzolo. That's Evan Mazza, my producer. I'm Mike. We don't know Chalk Talk today. We're closing the doors for you. Before, we do any- before I say anything else, though, I do want to give a shout-out really quick. Um... I want to congratulate our colleague, Matty Caps. Matty Caps just getting married this past weekend. He's on his way oh. to his honeymoon hey. right now. Congratulations, so, Matty. Congratulations Big to Matty Caps. Congratulations, buddy. Big Lifetime ups. of happiness ahead of you. We'll see you. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.